Hey, well, well, this is this is. How unexciting it is. No, it is exciting. I mean, it's exciting because... Look, everybody that's listening to this podcast is like, what's going on? Why isn't he saying what's happening, weirdos? Okay, do it. What's happening, weirdos? (laughs) I said it weird. Yeah. What's happening, weirdos? But this is it. I want it to be like this. I'm with Michael and Lisa Gunger and Valerie Ancini, and we're at the Gunger's house, and we were hanging out. And I forgot to send Katie the intro, so it's 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And, I f- <laughs> and we forgot, it. and now we're doing it. Yeah. Welcome, Gungers. But we Ooh, can do like a mini you. episode yes. at Hello. the intro. Yeah. And Sweet Val is here. And I'll just sort of pepper in the things I know. Pepper. I'll sort of pepper in the things I normally say in the intro, like like the Pete's picks and all that. But you guys just wrapped your Gunger tour. I know you don't. we don't have to do a full... Oh, we did. We just wrapped it. We don't have to do a full interview. Oh, but I do want to pay respects to the fact that you had your I last Gunger show last night. Your respects, R.I.P. It's R.I.P. R.I.G. R.I.P.G. An R.P.G. It's in R.P.G. A role playing Gunger, and it was awesome. And now you're on to new things. We're on the new things, and we're not exactly sure what it is next. And that's what I was just but, saying. My show uh, got canceled. My book just came out. Michael's book just came out. Yes. Lisa's book just came out. Everyone I, has books. Except now. And, and Valerie and I wrote a We're, poem recently. <laughs> say it. One side. <laughs> that's Pete playing guitar. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, just so you know, that's not the professional yeah. playing the guitar. Do not. I know it's hard to tell. <laughs> Sing banana pancakes. Waking up too early. Waking up the weekend. Eating banana pancakes. Banana pancakes. Oh. Mm, we can pretend to go outside. <laughs> it's, so, it's so far from the song that we don't even have to pay for that. Oh my god! We're not worried. Valerie, you were so excited for your joke. You leaned in, and it was really cute. I did not. Oh, know. You were excited. Well, I want to make sure you yes. hear it. Jack Johnson, She's one good. of my favorite episodes. Yeah, good mic technique, though. Thank she you. Does. She does. Don't expose me. No, I loved it. It was love. What is this, a gotcha podcast? Speaking of, did <laughs> you hear that? That's exposed. I'm the only one here in a robe. Yeah, Lisa I'm in a robe. in a robe. I just thought this was a different kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she misunderstood the assignment. Um, well, we're about, well, they have a hot tub, and we're gonna. Get, this now it just sounds like we're swingers, but we're we're gonna get in their hot tub. This is the opportunity to to maybe profess our love for the gungers. Well, we have a hard. We're in love. We're yeah, in we're, love with the gungers. We're in friend love. <laughs> well, yeah, since we did the podcast, we've become quite close. And I've apologized to Michael several times that when he did the podcast, I didn't know gunger. Except for beautiful things, and I'm so sorry. There's <laughs> nothing, no, nothing to, be sorry to apologize for. about. What a waste! Yeah, I know, wasted. But it was now, a joy. I'm we listen to Gunger all the time, and we're obsessed with you guys. And we're sorry that you went away. I am going to try and talk you into coming to a Largo show one of these days, but I do oh. also want to respect that you're retired. Yeah, but maybe fun. you'll play your new stuff there. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of that, I don't know when my next. Uh, oh yeah, it's May 23rd. I'm going to be at Largo with Rob Bell. You've had on liturgists, haven't you? Rob Bell, mm-hmm. he's yeah, a favorite among our listeners. Yes. He's a fave. Uh, I'm going to be at Largo talking about Comedy Sex God, which is available for pre-order now. Also, May 18th, I'll be in Boston. doing a, We're doing two shows, 4.30 and 7 p.m. 7 p.m. is sold out. Uh, go to... You can go to my Instagram for all these dates. 
And then Brooklyn, May 15th, I'm going to be at the William Vale with a very special guest who I can't announce, but is oh. very exciting. Oh. Mysterious. Off mic. I'll tell you off mic. <laughs> I can't play Metallica. Um, <laughs> so that's that. And I, I know Fulin, I know we're doing this intro together, but I do want to plug um, the most beautiful thing I've seen. Oh my gosh. Lisa Gungo. Lisa Gungo. That's how you say my name. That's how children say your name. I once literally <laughs> knew a speech therapist named Letha. L E A J. Her name was Letha. Letha. Wow. I know. Isn't there something heartbreaking about that? Yeah. And it's hard to tell if progress is being made. I mean, if you're going to lead me to the joke. I'll do it, baby. Okay. Um, um, I also want to plug the most beautiful thing I've seen, which I'm halfway through. You're about, you're a little behind me. But All it's, right. It's because. Lisa, you're gonna, we're going to do your own episode. So don't feel like oh this my is gosh. it. We're going to do your own app and we'll talk all about I'm it. I'm like only a few out. pages behind him. Okay. <laughs> it's a wonderful, beautiful book. And, and the people that like this podcast will like it very much because we have similar stories. Mm-hmm. And also Michael Gunger's book mm-hmm. called This. So good. Colin, Becoming kind. Free. And halfway through that. I finished it. <laughs> I read it. Come on, I read guys, it. I'm a reader. Valerie, come on. I'm trying to... I was raising our child. <laughs> You're just busy ra- taking care busy of a whole human experiencing being. this, not reading about yes. it. Yes. Exactly. You're so it's in it. You're in the experience. <laughs> Yeah, oh. Pete. Oh. oh, you know that song? thing when somebody has a acoustic guitar and then they just disappear and you're talking to them and their oh. eyes are glazed over. Oh, <laughs> oh, we were laughing God. about this with some musicians last night. Like when you're ever sitting with a guitarist or a drummer, they can't not play, but you don't see that with like a trombonist. <laughs> <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, you say that, but it just takes I think a lot the more trom- effort. But the trombonist that lives next to us, I think, does probably does that. You live we- next to a tromboner. <laughs> 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 It's pretty impressive. Wow. I've been impressed with them. With it, their tromboning his, skills? His boning is amazing. <laughs> his, Sweet brassy bone. That's good. Um, but this Becoming Free, I read it and listened to it. That's how serious I'm into oh, that book. And it wow, changed my life. You. And That's I love amazing. it very, wow. very much. So please pre-order that. And uh, let's do the Pete's Picks. We can do them together. Have you guys tried Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil? No, not yet. <laughs> oh, I'll give you some. Please. Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil, you know this is the, is the Pete's pick. Now it feels like I have to do this. Yeah, you got to do it. We're uh, just going to stare We're, at you. I, I can't wait to hear about it. But I, I don't do ads on my podcast. I only do things that I actually use and love. And one of them is Char- Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. It's uh, made from the hemp plant, but they use science, science Mike, to remove the THC, which is what gets you stoned. And they leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. CBD, give it a goog. Like gives, science is trademarked by, by science. science. Mike. I really love it. Science Mike. <laughs> the liturgist podcast, Science Mike. Uh, but CBD is body, brain beneficial. I like to say it gives me a healthy, happy glow, just mm. sort of behind my face. Makes me a little bit quicker to laugh, a little oh. bit easier to smile. For me, speaking anecdotally, it's a stress reducer. I take mm. it when I'm very stressed. Anxiety reducer, I take it sometimes mm. when I'm traveling, middle seat. On an airplane, Ooh. Charlotte's oh, Web yeah. Hemp Oil. The best thing to do is to try it. I've had so many fans, weirdos, come up to me and tell them that it's made their lives better. So I highly recommend you try it. Uh, the original formula, I like the mint chocolate flavor. They also make some bombs that have hemp in it. Uh, it's legal, by the way. There's, none of these are intoxicants. Ships legally to all 50 states because it is just CBD. Uh, but it's wonderful for your skin, wonderful for your mind. 
and uh, it doesn't get you foggy like um, THC does. So go to CW, like Charlotte's Web, CWHemp.com slash weird and use promo code keep it crispy unless it's after may 10th which it might be and then use promo code keep it crispy one nine why are they changing that because they get leaked oh. Oh. Yeah, they get leaked um okay and then the other one i haven't made you a cachava smoothie you guys have to come over i'll make you a cachava smoothie i find Yum. it very hard yes. to eat healthy on the road so I found Cachava, which is the first superfood plant-based drink mix that I've made that Valerie, you actually like, because Valerie doesn't usually like the weird superfood drink mixes that I make mm-hmm. at home. It's got, let me get this right. I saw it on your counter, so I know you're not lying. It's true. Said, yeah. Yeah. This is legit. 24 grams of protein, 9 grams of fiber. Plant-based protein, 24 grams. That's like Tim Ferriss numbers. 26 essential vitamins and minerals, digestive support built right in. Uh, it's got ant antioxidants. It's got 17 greens and veggies. What? And that's my point. It's really hard to eat greens and veggies. You guys know it's as hard. Yeah, I know. It is hard. Road. Yes. You don't need a blender. Just throw it in a bottle with some water. Shake it up. It's got powdered coconut milk in it. That turns it into coconut milk. So it's creamy. It's chocolatey. Got a little coconut nectar in it. So it's sweet, which is why Val likes it. Sorry, but that's true. I throw some garbage. No, no, you're my truest love. I like to throw frozen strawberries in it, or maybe almond milk tastes like ice cream. It's really incredible, but the main reason I like it is it's a nutrition overload. It actually makes you feel, I would say, it makes me feel high from how many nutrients are in it. I would wager more than most people get in a month. I'll give you guys a bag, and I'll give you some shots. I'm going to buy some. I mean, I'm convinced. All I mean, of this has convinced me to buy all of these things. This is real. This is something that I eat every day, almost every day, certainly when I'm traveling it's or when really, I'm taking care of Lee. It is crazy how good it is with just water. Yeah. It's the only one that I found. That's, I, I thought I would add it to my smoothies, figure, huh. figure, figured out that it is the smoothie. So I go think it's to, even better with almond milk. It, of course it is. Yeah. K-A-C-H-A-V-A-Kachava.com slash weird. And just going to that website, you will automatically get 20% off. Ooh, no promo code needed. That's a deal. Deals, deals, deals. And you'll show your support <laughs> you of this podcast. You love deals. I you love do it. love deals. <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> There's one converted person. She is. I'm excited right now. I, I love just, it. <laughs> gotta go order it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is the Tom Green episode. Any Tom Green thoughts before we launch it? I'm just oh. kidding. Oh, hey, Tom Green. Tom Green. My brother used to live by Tom, next door yes. to Tom Green. Really? Yeah. Right next Neighbors. door. Neighbors. Wow. No way. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is Tom Green. He came over to the house. He was very sweet about Lisa. Very sweet. Like, re- like I just in general, a very sweet, a sweet guy. Man. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the, all the sort of, in my experience, the pranky or the roasty guys. Yeah. Very sweet people. Hmm. So I enjoyed my chat with him. Uh, and let's, you know, we usually say get into it to start the podcast. So maybe we should do a four part harmony. And get into it. Oh yes. Oh. Okay. In the key of A minor. <laughs>
<laughs> giant lemons. Why do people all don't, mention the lemons? Don't. Does everyone mention the lemons? Please don't mention the lemons. <laughs> no, no, no. You are absolutely the first. Oh, yeah? To well, no joke. To mention the lemons. First. So, yeah. You were the first I to lock. the dog bit. You didn't bite the dog. No, I got the dog bit, you know, about... Uh, oh, the bit. Yeah, the bit about the dog, and then... Uh, when people ask I me my dog's le- name, I say, we don't know. Yeah, and then I noticed no the lemons. And Those are giant lemons, though. Those are giant lemons. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not just that I noticed them. They're, they're actually distinctly They're, they're watermelon-sized lemons. Larger lemons than I've ever seen. Really? On it like that, yeah. And a, a, a nice abundant like- amount of... <laughs> Lemons too. Like there's got to be a hundred lemons on there. I would assume you probably don't eat the lemons because there's doesn't I... look like you've been chipping away at the lemon tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's like t- two. It's a full harvest there. <laughs> I guess I haven't been pulling my weight. Yeah, yeah. I will say occasionally. Are you not a drinker, or do you drink? Booze? Yeah. No, I yeah. guess maybe I would be using margaritas more, and more stuff. margaritas. Yeah, I'd be margarita now. But uh, lemon be... margarita is uh, different. I say margarita. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, would have, I would have ran through that lemon tree like in, all, in, in, in a month for sure. All day. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think you're overestimating yeah. how many cocktails are made with lemon. Yeah. Yeah, lemon drops. Lemon drops for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a you ever have a pink lemonade. Pink lemonade. Yeah. Have you had one of those? Yeah, sure. With like what? With rum in it or something? Or no, vodka no, it? no. It's a drink called pink lemonade. Oh, okay. And it's yeah. a Long Island iced tea, meaning it's vodka rum. I went to bartending school. Bar- vodka rum, okay. gin, tequila, and then like somehow you make it taste like pink lemonade at the end. It's oh, incredible. nice bartending school. Really? Yeah. That's cool. But you're not a big drinker, or you do drink a little bit? or uh, Well, everyone listening to this podcast just turned it off, because <laughs> no, I, I, I think I talk about it a lot, because oh, it's yeah, a, yeah. New, a new thing in my life that I stopped drinking. We just sort of jumped right in, too. I just sat down, we started talking about the lemons. Well, you're a host yourself. These, you yeah. know what I call these, Tommy? Yeah. Days off. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a broadcaster. You're a real, you're a treat, and I'm happy to have you, and I always Thanks. forget to say that. But yes, I, I stopped drinking about a year ago, a little over a year okay. ago. Okay. And it was because like I, I actually like sharing the story and it's almost done. For those of you listening that know I'm almost yeah. done. Yeah. I like sharing my story because it wasn't exciting yeah. or sexy or crazy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't interfering in any major way. Yeah. I just noticed that I was addicted to it. Yeah. In the same way that I can't keep cookies in the house. Yeah. But then the more I like dug into it, the more I realized I felt alcohol had made me its bitch. Yeah. And that I was just sort of doing it thoughtlessly. Yeah. And then I, I have a very black and white brain in a good way. Yeah. And I can give it direct orders. And if I say drink in moderation, it goes, fuck you. After two drinks, it goes, fuck you. Right, right, and right, keeps right. going. Yeah. But if I say stop drinking, it goes, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So I just stopped drinking and I really like it. Congratulations. Yeah. I actually kind of have been weaning myself off the booze. Drinking the way I used to drink over the last few years. There was a great Tom Green where you got drunk alone. Do you remember that? Uh, yes, yeah. People yeah. say I'm funny when I'm drunk. Yeah, and then yeah. you got drunk, and then you yeah. weren't funny. And I really, yeah. you know what I mean. The, yeah. the joke was that you yeah weren't funny. I went out in the street and vomited, yeah. <laughs> which was kind of funny, but just uh, not intentionally right funny. It was funny, yeah. And it was at a time where funny things were funny. <laughs> like you were, like I sort of look back on the movies and stuff that were coming out at that time, mm. and things were just funny. Like, you know what I mean? Normal funny. Uh-huh. And that was like a good example of one of the first times my brain saw somebody about my age doing something. Yeah. You're a little bit older than me, but in the right way. Yeah. Doing something that was kind of anti-comedy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that was... that was. 
years before MTV, we filmed that too. Is that, that was, true? Yeah, was that was filmed for public access TV in Canada. I was a broadcasting student, so probably you know three quarters of the of the bits that aired on MTV had all been shot Brilliant. previous to MTV. So the business person in me loves that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because I'm yeah. like, we can sell them. Yeah, the content we already shot. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. love that. And I think for that reason, it was uh, weirder than it would have ever been had we just did a show on MTV. Of course, because it was you didn't know. Yeah, we were just kind of going crazy. You were and, just doing you. And there's a corporate environment there that you just you know, it was completely contrary to anything that I'd ever been involved with. So it was like everything sort of was a lot different once we started making shows for MTV. Yeah. Uh, but we always had so many of these weird, raw, gorilla bits that we'd done over the years. Because I did the show for five years before it was on yeah. MTV. Oh, wow. That, uh, that uh, it just kind of, we kept mixing those into of, it. Yeah. Sorry? You're so polite. <laughs> I remember that I interviewed you for Larry King, and I was yeah, like, that was cool. Not only are you Canadian, but you're incredibly polite, even for a Canadian. <laughs> so please don't let me interrupt too much. But I did want to interject. Yeah, here we are. Mm. I sort of miss that purity. Do you? Now yeah. we're two official showbiz jerks, <laughs> and I remember it. My example is me and my buddies Matt McCarthy and Oren Brimmer would shoot videos. And one time we shot a video and it was going to be on the Super Bowl as a commercial, which was very exciting. Yeah. It was just something we shot, like you said, not guerrilla style, but low budget. The budget of the, of the thing we shot was like 15 bucks or something, which was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty low. It was very low. Budget, yeah. Well, the cameras were gifts and the set was a gift and all the, none of the actors were paid. I guess we should look yeah. back and be like, well, that was kind of shitty. But uh, I was one of the actors, so I'm fine with it. Anyway. Uh, while we were in the hotel waiting for the game, because they had us come in for press for a couple days early, we shot 12 videos just in the hotel. Uh (laughs) Why? Because that's what we did. We were like water going down a hill. That's what water does on a hill. It goes down. And uh, now I'm putting it to you. Do you, or am I projecting, sort of miss that purity of just like, we just did it because we had the cameras and your and your producer friend had to pee, and we followed him. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely miss that. I think, I think that I, I started doing stand up again about ten years ago, and that has satisfied that, that need for that chaos. purity. Uh, because you know, <laughs> I, said chaos. I mean, the, well, just the yeah, fact that no. there's you're on your own doing what you want to do. Yeah. Again, for me, that's reinvigorated all of that creative energy you're that I had right. when I was when I was. Because when I was doing my show on MTV, I wasn't doing stand-up. I'd done it as a teenager. I'd done it pretty – I was pretty into stand-up when I was – Yeah, we kid. talked about that. You were like a huge yeah. Letterman guy and you would dress like yeah. Letterman. Yeah. And, and when I was like <laughs> 16 years old, I went down to the comedy club and I just started doing amateur night and then doing where middle did spots. and get the nerve? Uh, well, you know where you get it. You did it too, right? Yeah, so, I should yeah. did. I was probably yeah, yeah. You're right. I was probably like seventeen, yeah, eighteen. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. first couple. No, is that true? I I just no. Think, I was in college, so I was probably nineteen, twenty. I just yeah. think that like, but where the what, naivety of youth, right? Like you didn't you, know you needed to be good. Yeah, I just I knew that I was definitely liked being the center of attention, and I was you know hyperactive kid and uh, hosting all the talent shows and things that in high school and anytime there was an opportunity yeah running for students council 
for the only reason was because I wanted to do the speech, you know, I wanted to do a speech in front of the school, and it was a chance to get up in front of everybody and the opposite and goof of most off. people. Yeah. Just Tom, actually, in my yeah. hands, please. So, so it was kind of uh, that's better. Thank it you. was. Uh, I just felt like it was a natural kind of uh, thing pulling me towards that comedy club. I found out there was a comedy club with my friends. We went there. Uh, initially, we went there as. We went there to see the shows. I thought you were going to say as hecklers. And then, then that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I, then we really because I was actually going to say initially we went there to heckle, but that's actually not true. We initially went there to see the shows, and then probably some way, somewhere like halfway between the first show, we started deciding that we were there to be hecklers. Actually, so you were a heckler, yeah, like sixteen-year-old goofball kids. Wow. And uh, we would plan out our heckles. Uh, You'd we, write them. As a group, we had one called a silent heckle, which the the manager of the club, who's still there at Ottawa's Yuck Yucks in Ottawa, uh, Howard Wagman, who put me on stage for the first time. Can we bleep his name, please? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want any free press for Yuck Yucks. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's he's awesome and. Uh, and, uh, Can we believe you know, Tom's com- compliment? Yuck Yucks to him? is like uh, like an uh, institution in Canada in yeah. stand up. You know, it's every yeah. it's sort of the improv of Canada. They yeah, them all okay. Over the and he's the Bud Friedman of Canada. Yeah, well, Mark Breslin. Where's the monocle? Mark the Breslin other is the is the Bud Friedman, and <laughs> then Howard uh, is the, uh, the Ottawa the Ottawa Bud Friedman. Friedman but, uh, <laughs> that is a sad business card. Yeah, I'm Ottawa's Bud Friedman. Uh, I don't know. People I think- go what. I think if you love comedy, if we as much, know to us as much as, as him, we would, get it. We yeah. get it. And yeah, he would. He would. Laugh. Most people would go, "What?" Yeah, but yes, I think he would like that. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. So you went, and but, what was uh, the silent heckle? Um, now you got me questioning whether or not he's that's complimentary or not. I hope no, so. it is. <laughs> I'm being the rascal. <laughs> I'm Tom Greening. Tom Green. Yeah, yeah. Now I'll call um, it. Look, uh, we we did this thing where we would we would go. We would the three of us. We would go and we would sit in the front row, and we would all. Put our hands on our heads, on our chins. We'd lean on our left hand. A board position. Yeah. And then when the punchline would, would come, we would all switch at the same time to the other hand, right? Oh. And, uh, you know, eventually it was just so obviously passive aggressive, kind of quiet heckle. And uh, the comedian would get mad, and then he'd start fucking with us, and we'd start messing with him. And then it was sort of a, a little fun thing that we did for a while, but then we got banned from the club. As a trio? As a trio, we got kicked out, forcibly removed by the bouncer, and uh, and wait, why forcibly? Well, you know, were you resisting no, being ejected? No, no, that's true. You're, we did not resist. No. Yeah, but we, but you were at, you were ushered out, ushered out, yeah, like ceremony in the middle of a show. You know, yeah, sitting. you were made examples. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it was sort of around the time we heard of the existence of amateur night, and you would you, back then you would this was probably late eighties, so. You would call an answering machine and leave a message. Who books that? A Casio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I should have That's a there, calculator. Yeah, yeah, but there was... You know what I mean. It, but it was that, yeah. It yeah. Was, there, was, there, was, there, was, there was nobody... Uh, there wasn't really many people doing stand-up in Ottawa. Ottawa's not a huge city. A million people or whatever. Not, well, half a million people back then. So, like, a uh, small city, you know. And... Um, you know, so we just called, left my name in the voicemail. They called back, say, "Come on down Thursday." And that's all it was. We wrote, wrote, wrote our little routines. Showed all up, all three of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Is only this like, where you go, like, and those friends were Harlan Williams or something. Is that no, no. Harlan be? was my biggest 
inspiration though. That I was, knew you loved him. Yeah. yeah, he was he was headlining at the time. But and, who are these other knuckleheads, and where are they? Uh, Phil is still one of my best Phil. friends. Phil was on the Tom Green show ten years later. Well, twelve years later, after this day, when we got up on stage together for the first time, he was the guy that would sit in the window with and drink coffee oh. in the background so on you MTV. Gave Phil a, a, yeah. a spot. Yeah, he he we we he kind of and you're still chums, still buddies, so yeah. Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. I flick lit cigarettes at my old friends. Some of my old friends and I have had falling out. I'm just kidding. But yeah, uh, but yeah no, yeah. I, I, you can lose touch. Yeah. I yeah. have to imagine with a star that rose as quickly and as sort of hazardously as yours <laughs> that yeah. you might have. For a long time, obviously, you're still Tom Green. But yeah. there was a time when you were, ah, it was like a Beatlemania. Wouldn't you agree? Do you understand that I'm not being yeah, yeah it was crazy. I'm saying it was, was definitely there was crazy. a time where the, yeah. the there, it was nuts. I remember when you were which movie did you give the college tour in Road Trip? Yeah, I remember going. Ah! You know what I mean? <laughs> it I think was, we went to see that movie because you were in it. Yeah, and and you're not like the lead person in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Yet you were why we were seeing the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I, what I mean by Beatlemania. It was actually. Pretty insane. Like when the show was on MTV in that initial year uh, or two, it was unlike anything I've experienced since. Right. Right. It right. was. It it's was unlike most performers yeah, will ever. Experience. You know. I mean, I've been. Uh, it's been twenty years since that happened. But those two two years is what people when it was about. in the thick of the MTV yeah. show. I mean, that was sort of the most kind of, you know, when you walk down the street, kind of people coming up to you and right. sort of freaking out. Right. I think it was a, an interesting time uh, because it was sort of on the cusp of, you know, we've talked about this, but it was on the cusp of reality TV. It was before, it was before Jackass. Yeah. It was before YouTube. So, you know, no one had really seen some kid barging into his parents' house with a video camera and pulling <laughs> pranks on television pre-vine too that was a vine thing yeah it was a whole genre that didn't exist yeah you sort of do you feel like the father of that john i i was like very inspired by skateboarding videos that doesn't surprise me yeah Yeah. and so skateboarding videos had elements of that just like skateboarding videos when i watch your old videos every once in a while my balls hurt yeah, yeah. No fool, no fool and <laughs> yeah. a skateboarding video, like I remember watching those and they're like fun. Yeah. And every once in a while you just watch some kid's forearm go through his elbow. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, why the fuck is that in there? <laughs> but you, you kind of understand. Yeah. Similarly, when you're doing Undercutter's Pizza and the guy's coming at you with a hammer. Yeah. That's a that's a elbow break. It was right just there. the rawness of it. You know, like, yeah. like when we went to MTV, our first shoot. Music television. Music television. Yeah. Our first shoot, we went out with... The MTV crew, and they sent a crew of about 20 people with us, right? And, uh, you know, like people with walkie-talkies following, running up and having the people on the street sign release forms before I got to them to do the prank, you know? Oh, wow. And I had to sort of, you know, go back to the office, and it was a big sort of uncomfortable period in, in the show where we'd sort of turned into a major creation creative push and pull between myself and my friends who'd been doing the show for five years and this network who had is a way of where, doing things is this where the friends get burned out are we losing uh, friends here uh not a imme- not a, no, not, yeah, okay. not immediately no i thought maybe the corporate cor- you got corporate my, so a couple of my friends from the show three of them actually all came down to uh to uh you know new york with me and uh, and then to la and we all worked on the show for years and everybody uh you know, got to participate in 
the fun of that and 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 uh uh you know my friend uh Glenn uh you know uh, he he didn't stay in LA my friend Derek who was working on the show with me uh, who wrote Freddie got fingered he's continued to, with me he's continued to uh, work in show business he's a writer and producer now so it's it's I think it, we all kind of had a lot of it launched uh, us into this path of you know we might not have gone in the direction we went with in our lives. I'm sure maybe Glenn's probably saying to himself, "Damn you! Why the hell did you uh, drag me into this stupid thing?" But uh, you mean but, because Glenn didn't have the bug or whatever, he didn't want to be a show. He was not really uh, one N or two. By the way, I need to know: is it one N or two in that Glenn? Two Ns. I don't in in Glenn. Can you bleep yeah. Glenn? Then, two Ns. Please? Yeah. We're going to bleep yeah. the word Glenn. Yeah, I yeah. can't have a Glenn. Though. Yeah, he probably have a Glenn. Then. He might actually appreciate that. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't really <laughs> care for when I bring him up too much. But uh, Why? Yeah. <laughs> so what is he doing? Uh, he's working in the high-tech. Both him and Phil were sort of high-tech entrepreneurs and uh, sort of computer geniuses, really, in a lot of ways. So they didn't need this. No, they they they. that was kind of what was fun about their characters on the show was they didn't really actually, I think, really even particularly want to be doing it. You must have gotten that <laughs> from Letterman because both, we both love Letterman. Mm. And Letterman... Uh, obviously enjoyed found humor in the yeah. same way. People on the street, mm-hmm. obviously you did it in your own way, yeah. but going into the deli and all that stuff, was that an inspiration for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, and and it was also a necessity because, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I needed to have someone to talk to, right, on the show. So it was, I was doing my show. I was a broadcasting student. My friends and I started the show. We'd sort of work on it all week, but then... I'd have my buddy Glenn come and sit with me, you know, right. and, and he'd be sort of my Ed McMahon, and he was willing to do it. We met at a college radio station. We both did talk shows on the Ottawa University station. From uh, I was on from midnight till 2 a.m. on Fridays, and he was on from 2 a.m. till 6 a.m., and yeah. we would meet at 2 in the morning. He was a few years older than me. And what would you talk about? What you're going to have? No, it would just be breakfast? like, hey, how are you? you know, just, hey, I'm leaving. You're showing up. Yeah. Here's the turntable. Go ahead. And then uh, over after doing that for about four years, uh, I asked him to come sit on my talk show with me. But, but you know, it's, 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 it's cool. Everything's cool with those guys. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. What were the friends that you... Did people think in that period when you were beatlemania is that when you lost old friends? Not really, no, no, no. It was more. I feel like you and I fell out of touch. Yeah, yeah. What happened? I didn't talk to you calling that me. whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I was just a young kid watching your movies. Do yeah. you know how that felt for me? How old would you? How much older am I than you? You're nine years older than nine me, years older. Okay, yeah, okay. So I think you were yeah. born in seventy. Yeah, seventy one. Yeah. Oh, seventy one. Yeah. So you are eight years older. Eight years older. Mm-hmm. So older. I, when you were on the Tom Green show this period in your life, you were. 28? 28, yeah. So you would have been just out of high school. Yeah. College, maybe. But I feel like... Are you sure it didn't happen in... 1999. 1999. So I was in the middle of college. Yeah. Yeah. That makes about sense. And where did you go to college? And and, and you studied bartending in college. <laughs> you are a broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> we throw out a commercial. We'll be right back. <laughs> Blue Apron. Um, Blue Apron is not a sponsor. <laughs> Do not go to blueapron.com slash weird. It won't work. Okay. Just go to blueapron.com if that's what you want. What is a blueapron.com? It's one of those food delivery services. Oh, okay. Okay. We did that for a while. I don't know if we did Blue Apron. You know what makes me feel terrible is there's so much packaging. Yeah. You open up a box and it's like a thing of cilantro wrapped in a plastic bag, 
wrapped in bubble wrap. Wrapped in dry ice. Okay. Like I've not ordered from it before. I will have to try. Oh, I'm it. not shitting on Blue Apron specifically. Yeah. I'm saying if no, don't shit on the sponsor. Well, they're not our sponsor. Oh, okay. Well, then we can shit on them. We, we could, like, yeah. but out of respect. Yeah. Probably I'm no not. hope of getting them now as a sponsor. But th- I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> We're not lobbying for them with what this I'm conversation. What I'm saying is use Blue Apron. But if you're using a dog, we used to use a dog food uh, company. Because mm-hmm. this, this is how I know. I don't know if Blue Apron does what I just said, but I do know that uh, this dog food company that we use, there was so much packaging involved. And I was like, this is a lot to get some fucking turkey lips into my dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't I just walk down to the store and keep the carbon hoof print a little yeah. bit smaller? <laughs> <laughs> now, does this show have sponsors? Yeah. Oh, you do have sponsors, though. Well, I mean, they're like a few sponsors, or what? It, what I did are you, though, is this on? It's on a network of no. some sort that gets the sponsors for you, or no, do you I reach go out, out and get I them reach yourself? Out to companies of products that I actually use, yeah. and say, I actually love you. Would you give us a promo code? And uh-huh. then that's what we do. And I see it looks like you're preparing for some sort of an Armageddon of some sort. You have a, <laughs> you are perceptive. You have a, a, an entire food. room full of meals, MRE meals, ready to eat. You're the first person. Emergency drinking water. Yeah. And uh, we'll MREs. See, we'll see who's laughing when the zombies come. Yeah. But you have a, probably enough food here to last uh, probably a good year or I something. I think it's like. a couple. I think that's three months for two people. Three months? Yeah. Three months for two people. Yeah. I'm not sure. But let's be honest. If you're in that situation, yeah. you might skimp down to two meals. Right. A day. Sure. Yeah. If, if it doesn't look like you're getting out <laughs> within the three month period, you might start eating. <laughs> Half of a. You might go on a diet. Half of a, your uh, you know, granola bar every day, or what's in there? I what's in there? Saw Some this sort of at Judd's house. Freeze dried uh, tofu and things like no, that. No, I want it because I, I don't eat meat. This yeah. all has meat in it. Mm. This is this is fuck everything. The world's over. Yeah, yeah. Don't so sure. I'm going to eat some chicken noodle soup if I need to. I've been thinking about that about what? that lately. Just Getting having these? some some rations at the house. In case of emergency. I was in Judd's house. Judd and I don't Judd have Judd any. And I went in a, in a closet and yeah. I saw it. And I was yeah. like, what's that? And he was like, it's earthquake food. Yeah. So I ordered earthquake food. And I expected, because it was Judd, yeah. that it would be like the top of the line. And they are a great company. But it was just two Bible Bible ladies. Yeah. Like they, they're in it for the revelation. Yeah. They're not in it for earthquakes and zombies like right. me. They're in it for zombies and, and Jesus. Zombie. Right. They're almost kind of looking forward to the end of the world. They couldn't yeah. wait. Yeah. yeah. They were like, this is great because <laughs> while they're looking for my name in the book of life, you don't want to be hungry. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. <laughs> and so you got some food. I'm a little bit of a, I'm not a worrier, but too bad. Yeah. But I will plan. If I get in a certain mood, my brain will enjoy a project. And if the project is... What do I have in my car if shit goes down? Yeah. I'll go nuts. Yeah. I'll get a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of essentials in my car. Yeah. And I've never been upset that they were there. Change of shoes and a pair of socks. Right. Shotgun. Boom. Fully loaded shotgun. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> of course there's a fully loaded shotgun. Well, when I had this, somebody was like, Do you have a gun? And I was like, Nah, I'll go out. I'll go out not murdering anyone. Yeah. But you won't be hungry though. I'll, you know, and I'll share. Have you eaten any of these or have you tried them? No. No. I like this. Have you opened one? No. For all I know, it's just Bibles. Really? <laughs> just Bibles and photos of the women's. They're pretty, su- pretty substantial looking meals, though. Well, I didn't Big know box. where to... Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, you know what they are? They're army rations. Yeah, yeah. MREs, right? Yeah, yeah. meal ready to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, you know stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And... 
we got those fucking big ass lemons, dude. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But they'll be radioactive. Yeah, the nuke, the nuke will take the, the nuke. Lemon but tree the nuke up. will also take all of these <laughs> MREs. It'll melt the MREs too. M- yeah. MREs. This is cool. Like, I mean, so this is yeah. Yeah, you, take a look around. Yeah, because I, I, I don't want to talk to you about the nineties. You have I a sauna in here. You have a sauna. There's a sauna. Do you want to do the rest of the interview in the sauna? Uh Dicks out. I feel like I would be. <laughs> I would sound not funny if I said no to that. No, I know. But I also don't want to do it. Well, let me so. ask you one. No, where I would never do. If you were like, let's do it, I would be like, well, I'm saying no to that. <laughs> but I mean, this is an awesome room here, like a guest house for your podcast, and Thanks. you've got a, a sauna. This looks like it's been sort of. Uh, you brought this in. You brought this in. Did you put this in? <laughs> What do you mean? Well, like, was this like here when you, with the house? When you bought no, the house? we got it. Yeah? No, we got it. Because it looks like it's sort of... It's freestanding. It's a freestanding sauna. It looks like a... Like, you can just get a sauna and put it... looks like where Thoreau lived. It's a small house. Yeah. It's really... Very small. An awesome idea, though. And do you use it? I use it almost every day. Yeah, yeah. And did you know infrared you... sauna burns like a thousand calories? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Sweat it out, huh? And your heart goes nuts. Is there little rocks in there that you pour water on well, the rocks? that's a dry heat. A dry heat. Okay, yeah. It's a different type of sauna. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about them, but... <laughs> See, you're just funny. Like, you just say a dry heat. Like, you being sincere is funny. You, well, You yeah. and Zach Galifianakis are sort of like that. Where oh, cool. even when you're just saying normal things... Wow. Like, just sort of seems funny coming that, from it, you. That's good. Well, I... Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, uh, I uh, honestly, I, uh, I'm just kind of uh, curious about. Did you sauna <laughs> much before you got this house, or did you? Did, was the sauna an influencing factor in deciding to move to this house? Well, the you, sauna was not here. Oh, it was not here. Not so here. you did bring in the sauna. I'm going to tell you what oh, I'm going to. So you're a big I sauna did. guy. I well, here's what I did. The sauna guy. Where did I first hear about it? There's a place called Sweat Theory. Yeah. In Hollywood. Uh huh. And they have infrared saunas. Yeah. And I went there. Yeah. And I would and then Val and I just found ourselves driving there every day. Yeah. And we're not close to Hollywood. It fucking sucked. Yeah. So it's like in the sense that like you get so relaxed. You go there to relax and, and then, then you stress on the way home. You get the stress comes back on the drive home. Not even. So we were like and then we figured out what we were spending. We were going there every day almost. So then we were like, fuck it, let's just buy one. Yeah. And we bought one. And uh, I don't regret it. No, I mean, yeah. That's, if but you, if you want to try it, Sweat Theory Hollywood. Yeah, this is where this is where this actual. Oh, the, that's where you would go. That's where like, you can try yeah, no, that. I've done, that I've, exact I've, done, I've done some sauning, but not infrared sauna. Yeah, and what's that mean? Infrared then? It's like a, a infrared light or something. Yeah. Well, there's two types of heat coming off the sun. Infer. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Let's kill ourselves. Yeah, that's cool. Listen to this conversation. And then let's jump into a ravine. Is this the family here? (laughs) That is my family. That's from uh, the talk show. These are some of the things on the walls of my talk show. There's a photo of me and my family. See my loosened tie and a face that I rehearsed in the mirror. Yeah, absolutely. That was the, my brother called that my lounge lizard face. (laughs) (laughs) And my brother sort of looks like he lives in the woods and writes manifestos. You're the, yeah, sort of a little. Unibomber look. Yeah, he's got a unit. Were you going to call us yuppies, though? Because that's no, I was going to say you're the younger of the younger brother. Did you have any? I have a younger brother, yeah. yeah. You're the older brother. Older brother. brother. It's interesting because usually it's the the, the baby boy that wants to go out and, you know, act a fool. I have heard that before. Yeah. Is that that consistently kind of a a thing? I mean, yeah, because although it makes sense that if it were the other way, I would argue that because the older uh, sibling. 
the younger one comes up, he steals the show, yeah. and that's when you start, you know, getting in a giant ball and going to baseball games. Yeah, I, I, I think I felt competitive with my, my younger brother. I got a lot of attention. Because they took the love. Yeah, so I, I felt like it, it's part of what made me it act out. It makes sense. Yeah. Now, how are you now? Because we have been talking about the 90s, and, yeah. and when you were coming here, I was like, let's not talk to Tom about the 90s. I know yeah. you get that a lot. Yeah. But how do you feel now? Is the rascal still in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would say so. I would say so. I, I don't think I would be getting on an airplane every weekend and flying out to a comedy club and getting up and doing shows to the extent that I'm doing it, you know, like you're is, doing it because you like it. I love it. I yeah. love it. And it's it's the best you know thing that I ever decided to do really, uh, you know, as an adult was was Ten years start ago. doing stand up again. And I love it. I love I jump up in town all the time here. I'm, you know, just to me it's just sort of like really reinvigorated. Yeah. You know, cuz I started doing this stuff when I was pretty young and you know I've done a lot of different things and some some of it has gotten kind of boring to me um you know like trying to develop new tv shows and things which I continue to do but that's different is from sort of like yeah. still like work or something right you know like okay there is there's literally paperwork yeah do you have a leave behind or what is it called a takeaway yeah. You could write up a one sheet for a takeaway. Yeah. So yeah. you go in and pitch yeah. the show, yeah. and then you leave them a one sheet for right. them to right. have. It's yeah. very similar to like you know giving a PowerPoint presentation. I have to imagine. Yeah. Just just the so sort of the it's sort of like everything I got into wanting to be a comedian to escape. You know, writing and uh, developing neon lights, meeting with people that have Checking authority to see if things are okay with and, them and yeah have to sort of impress people and uh, yeah. suck up to people right i don't know i just and but with stand up it's just been such a relief it's so funny colin quinn had a, a statement about how people get offended at stand up sometimes and he goes like well i know i got into stand up to care what the, what other people think or to say yeah. what other people want me to say yeah that's why i got into comedy <laughs> yeah. I, yeah i really just want to say what other people want me to say there, there's a <laughs> that was hilarious there's a certain shit disturber element and i think all comedians certainly that's what i have always had in me is some sort of a shit disturber in me that i like to kind of well, piss people that. off you i like see... to piss people off yeah i like to uh, get under people's skin and uh, yeah and so you know you can why i just i because you think it's silly I that they're I, upset right i think i must have some sort of uh um i don't know i i've, I've always had a problem with authority I really did not like, even at a very early age, being told to do stuff. And so, rules. I don't like rules. Did, is that? Does, I'm not trying to. I'm get not too some heady. lawless, law-breaking person or anything. I'm very. No, you I know, understand. But but I don't like having to follow rules because it's made up, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that at the core of it? Have you have you ever thought it through? I think it's just far the, enough to be like that's stupid. Rules are stupid. You just made that up. Like in high a teacher isn't a thing. L- like in high school, you know the amount of importance put on learning Canadian history. <laughs> you, know? you know something that I've never had to think about ever again. Now I get it culturally. Like maybe that matters to me that I know. You know who Louis Riel is, and uh, Louis Riel, you know, great, that, great man. It was a. It was a. <laughs> Sort of a. They hung him actually. Yeah, they hung him French Canadian treason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it? Yes. Yeah. Treason because he said 
hockey. Something like that. Something, Every day. It all comes back to hockey up there. <laughs> but uh, Canadians must look at Americans like, you hacks. Yeah. We have like five things we know about you guys. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. that's You're nice. Yeah. Hockey, syrup. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's. Let's not get sidetracked. Keep talking about the bad boy rascal. Well, you know, you don't I, like authority. I think I just kind of realized pretty early on that ninety percent of the stuff that they're teaching you in school, you're never going to need to use in your life. And I think I identified that probably around like age six or something <laughs> like that. You know, this is bullshit. like you know, when you're when you're drawing a circle with the protractor, you know, and you got this, this you know, and you put and you're you're, you're you're drawing a circle, <laughs> and you're going like, I'm never going to need to draw a circle for any reason. In my life. Like when I'm 40, I'm not going to have to draw a circle. I'm not going to have to draw a circle next year. I'm six. Why are they, t- why are they giving me a metal spear to bring to school? You know, the, the, so there's probably more of a downside to that than the upside of actually being able to draw a perfectly good circle, right? So this is absurd to me, and I, and I start questioning that. Is that a bit? Uh, you know, I've you should do that. I've explored that for sure. It's a yeah, great bit. Yeah, I don't mean yeah. it in the. Yeah. I, I caught you. I mean, yeah. like I hope you're doing. Yeah, that. I, I, I have. I have it's in the past, but so it's sort funny. of one of the things I think of when I like t- think about like stuff that you don't really need, like algebra, right? Mm-hmm. When they brought letters into math, yeah. right? Like to that to me, I still don't understand what that is. Right? <laughs> what is that? Do you know what that is? Algebra. Like the the X and Y and and sure, what is that? How do we apply that in our lives? If you're not going to go be well, I, you know, like do you know you do you sincerely not know the counter argument to learning things that you don't need? No, I wasn't paying attention in that when, when they explained that. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be so brief, and you're going to be able to maintain your your worldview because yeah. you're right. And any teacher that says you're wrong. I think is misunderstanding what a liberal arts or a generalized education is about yeah. is you're learning how to learn. Yeah. That's yeah. all you're learning. I just rather learn to learn stuff while that, I'm learning something that I actually need to know. Right. The problem is there's only Everybody so needs many to know things something you else. need to know, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And before you're, you're going to, well, no, I get, we could unpack this. Yeah. I just don't know if we were going to start civilization over yeah. and you have a bunch of children mm-hmm. and you want to teach them what? Like, what's something that you need to know? How to drive? I personally think... When you're learning how to drive, you're probably going like, algebra is probably helping you drive at that point just because you learned how to learn algebra. You learned how to pay attention. You learned how to retain, focus, recall. I don't actually have an answer for this, but I do... What if I I ruin you? I've thought... (laughs) I would... Pete! I I would love that, honestly. I would love that. To me, that would be so cool. Like, my day would be so interesting if I'm driving home and... (laughs) Actually, like at the beginning of the rest of my life being ruined because, yes, because my whole worldview has changed. But maybe I did need to know algebra. That's funny. Maybe I did need to know how but to we need draw a you, circle. Like your energy in that system obviously is so valuable. That's I, why so many people relate to it. I feel do. like if I were to design the school system, I would come up with a way where it would be divided into much more specific. A trade school. Yeah, but but starting in high school should be like that. Like, okay, you want to be a comedian, right? Okay, let's put you over in this. You you go work in this section of the school. Right, work on where all the rubber chickens are. Yeah, where the rubber. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, but pick know, up that slide whistle. Writing, it'd be more focused on English. And, I understand. And, and what basically kind of happens in college should happen sooner. Yeah, yeah. A more, and, and then if you want to be a mathematician or a rocket scientist, then you go do algebra and again, just trigonometry. for not even devil's advocate, just just for sake of conversation, isn't the idea that we don't know? At a certain point, we need to let you do everything. Yeah. So in you in the new Tom Green system, which I'm all for, yeah. Up to a certain age, you do have to take certain things because what happens if you're a Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. And we don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure what I'm saying, yeah, would you're right. It would not work. No, no, no. I for, want for, it. And I first of all, work. probably the only reason I wanted to be a comedian was because I was pissed off that I had to learn That's algebra. Right. Right? That's right. So that so. system did make a better comedian. Yeah. Then if they had gone like go over there with the rubber chickens, yeah. you would have become then an I'd, anarchist. Then I'd be rebelling against rubber chickens. Exactly. I don't want to be down the hall learning algebra. It, because yeah. because fuck yeah. you. Fuck these rubber X chickens. X equals fuck yeah. and Y equals you. Yeah. X, Y. Uh-huh. Yeah. So just disregard everything i just said well i mean (laughs) but i actually like what you're saying and when you watch what you're doing have you ever taken psychedelics never no really no i've not done really basically any drugs oh i think we talked about that forgive me when you do take psychedelics so and i'm not saying you should or need to or by any means do you have any i sure um yeah but um I can get you some. Listen, <laughs> yeah. if you take those substances, yeah. one of the phenomena. You're talking about like LSD or, or mushrooms? Any of them. Or, any of them. Okay, yeah. Even a, even like an MDMA, which is not like a real right. like trip. You're not going to see shit. Right. That's like, uh, that's like uh, ecstasy. ecstasy. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. still going to have that feeling. Yeah. You can have it on weed, too, mm-hmm. of it's all a hoax. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what your comedy seems to be operating in that space. Right. Tell, you tell me if this is right, and then I want you to speak to it. The idea that you're my dad, you're just some guy. Yeah. Mom and dad, that's why I made paper mache or whatever they were, statues of you guys fucking. Because mm-hmm. it's just made up. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm supposed to respect you? That's just made up. Yeah, yeah. Like, and listen to your teacher. That's just made up. Yeah. Listen to your president or prime right. minister. Just made up. Sure. That was Isn't that was that me big... rebelling against the authority of my aren't... my military father who had is that what a, is that what it was Canadian Canadian military right lots of rules lots of strict and he never rules. said it's just made up because there's a comfort in conformity and you were the little you were the curtains on fire in his perfect house yeah I think so yeah in a beautiful way I think so did yeah. he learn to love that yeah my dad was like my dad is a uh, a funny guy. Like he was a bit of a rebel himself within like in the military when he was in the military, he would get in trouble for doing pranks and stuff like oh, that. Oh really? Yeah. He would throw a you know, a flash bomb grenade into the mess hall and the general no. was there. And, you know, not an actual grenade, but like the, 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 the test ones, you know, that you know, but, but don't those he got, I think make he kinda, your ears ring? Yeah, you're... I think he kinda <laughs> Not benign. No, it was. It's a big. It's problem. a big prank. Big pro- Big prank. Yeah. If you did that, but canceled. you know, back in the seventies, <laughs> they're all drinking and you know. See, in throwing, the seventies, you yeah. were just a normal kid. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there was like a name for you. Yeah. Like yeah. you were an air do well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was pretty normal kid. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you still were. But I just mean like the the shock value was in response. Like Valerie and I were watching some of your videos this morning, and we were like, okay. "It's so funny." That like it reminded us of how uptight we were. Yeah, because especially by today's standards, I actually think they are still um, shocking in the way that they were meant to be. Yeah. They still are, which is kind of saying something, yeah. saying a lot. Yeah. 
but it it reminded us of how don't do that like even that we we policed ourselves and my, i'm from <laughs> ottawa so ottawa is the capital of canada okay mm-hmm. so it's uh now i'm learning history yeah, i'm speaking to the viewers here i'm sure you knew <laughs> no that, no but, i didn't know that okay well uh, we're lot, having fun lot like you said americans don't know i just wanted the callback a lot about canada but <laughs> yeah the, the, most americans don't immediately know that ottawa is the capital of canada that's true we don't um but it is and it's a conservative town and it's a bit uptight and you know it's and and canadian government is even probably more sort of british and sort of sort of a real sort of conservativeness there so you know it you mean kind of, like a almost like a powdered wigginess yeah yeah so it's kind of uh, a, a, a fun city to want to kind of rebel in and, and go make weird videos on the street and confuse people on the street. Because what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Because everyone's buying into a mass consensus. I was going to say hallucination. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. even the c- concept conformity. of a sleepy town. Very conformity. There's a, I, I feel like if I had grown up in Toronto yeah. or Montreal, I might not have had – I might not have made that show. You yeah, know, you know that was an Ottawa show. Yeah, uh-huh. there was there's there's a there's a thing about uh, like growing up there where you feel a sense of and I, I loved growing up there and I love Ottawa. I, I go back. My parents still there live there. I probably will return there someday. The Ottawa? I probably will. Yeah. Tom, real quick. Yeah. Why? It's there's a there's there's a, just a calmness to it. You know, it's just a it's just a calmness. Yeah, but there's a lot of places that are calm. I'm always interested in people that want to move back to the towns where they grew up. I'm talking up. about like when I decide to kind of retire. Give up. Yeah. Ottawa, colon, yeah. give up. I think I will go back and I will, you know, first of all, there's a lot of nature there. You can get outside the city pretty quick, go live on a lake. And the but isn't that true fishing. for a lot of other areas? Yeah, but it's where I'm from. And So you like that? Like, like. When you walk around in the city, it's there's not there was there was always this sort of small subversive element though. There was punk rock bands. There was you know, I was in a rap group when I was in high school. We were like out Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, we were like kind of like trying to be more like the Beastie Boys. We were trying to be like the Beastie Boys. Okay, we love the Beastie Boys. Not but, Ottawa Wu Tang Clan. Well, Ottawa Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. <laughs> Ottawa Wu Tang. Ottawa Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> Not Ottawa Wu Tang Clan. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, well, what you said, Ottawa Wu Tang. Ottawa Wu Tang. Ottawa Wu Tang. Yeah. They use a lot of auto tune yeah, in Ottawa. Yeah. yeah, Ottawa. We were like Ottawa uses a lot of auto tune. Oh yeah, yeah. In Ottawa, Ottawa's Wu Tang is Ottawa Wu Tang. Yeah, Ottawa Wu Tang. Yeah, this bet was bad. But you <laughs> saved it. You saved it with your yes and. We just double down on it. You know, just keep saying Ottawa Wu Tang over and over. repetition just is. Uh, you know, we like that. Let him. Yeah, yeah. If it's not funny once, but yeah, you in Canada, they in, Canadian improvisers do uh, yes a. <laughs> yeah, eh? yeah. <laughs> we do, eh? Oh, yeah. I throw me in a. But I, I, I think there was sort of like there was pool. a lack of like there, there was it was. I think it's possible I would have been too afraid to have tried to be creative in a hipper city. Yeah, but you were in a rap group in Ottawa. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, because I could safe. go be in a rap group, and we were the only rap group, that's so we were the best rap group. That's how I felt in my college. It was yeah. such a like a. And I say this with love, but it was like a sparrow fart of a college. Yeah. 1,600 kids, nothing yeah. going on. And you're like, I'll do stand-up. Yeah. Because yeah. who else is going to do it? Right. Whereas it if you'd be been us. in uh, you know, New If York I went City, to NYU, yeah, you might be scared. I would have been so scared because there would have yeah. been like fucking 
prodigies in yeah. my class, and I would have been terrified that I wouldn't be as good as them. I'm so glad I was in a small Ottawa. I went to the Ottawa of colleges. Yeah. Now, where was that? Now, what? What? what Wenham, Massachusetts, Gordon College. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm trying yeah. to remember the zip code. Nine zero. No, that's out here. Yeah. Massachusetts, huh? But yeah. you moved. You moved around a little bit. I think I recall. Right. You lived in. You're so sweet. Where do you 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 lived? I lived in Massachusetts mm-hmm. until I was 22. Yeah. Then I lived in Chicago. Yeah. Until I was 25. Yeah. And then I lived in New York until I was 30. No, that can't be right. I loved watching every single episode of Crashing, by the oh, way. Oh, thanks, man. I, I watched the... Yeah, I remember you were a fan. I, I loved watching every single episode, and uh, I kind of uh, binged, watched uh, watched it uh, in the third last... season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, yeah. man. I, I, I loved well, it. Well, somebody that got back into stand-up, it had to be right up it was alley. It was really great to watch it. I mean, I... Uh, first of all, I just I just think... I mean, you're incredible, and it was so much fun just watching your performance. Oh, that's so and, nice to hear. And, uh, and, but then just the whole world of... Uh, of yeah, I've not really gotten to do a lot of stand-up in New York. I go to stand-up Caroline's. I've, I've done a few shows. Uh, I perform there, but I love to... I love sort of seeing the, the whole... Uh, just the whole world. I, I would love to kind of go bound down there and oh, do some spots. Sense. Do I some think spots that's one of the reasons why Jed wanted to make it. Yeah. Was that he was similar to you? He got back into stand up later after he had sort of had this whole other career. Yeah. So I was very fortuitous that I pitched him a show about stand up mm-hmm. while he was, it would have been you 10 years ago. It's a little bit different because yeah. he was closer to your age now when he was getting back into it. Yeah. But still, so I, I'm not surprised that you like that show, but I am very touched and honored that you like it. And um, because it, it, sort of at the core of the show, there's a weird thing going on with stand up. That like it sort of is the reward in itself. Yeah, like that's I think one of the things that makes my character fun is that he just wants to be in the scene. Yeah, like that's his drive. Yeah, it's like the purity of like almost like a like when I hear Seinfeld talk about stand up, he just wants to be a guy that's allowed in the club. Yeah, and then he doesn't really have too many other aspirations beyond that. And even though you were playing someone who was starting out, like like for me, it's it's so relatable for I think all comedians. You know, you walk into the comedy club and you're surrounded by all of these brilliant people, and yeah. it's a, just a naturally kind of nerve wracking environment. It is. Uh, you know, even even uh, if you are getting up on stage, you know, right. you know, in, in the comedy cellar. For, was it harder for you because when they say Tom Green, people have a thought. When they said Pete Holmes, nobody knew either way. Just some, they might as well have just said some guy. Yeah. They might as well have said Ben Holmes. You know, so when you went up though, people were like, Oh, let's see. Did you feel any arms crossed silent hecklers? Uh let's see if the guy that the I would the feel staff. I would feel arms crossed silent hecklers even if they weren't there. Like I, I always feel That's your default. I always feel like I'm fighting against something. You know. Really? Yeah. I but but you know I think you know, I, I I hit the road pretty pretty much right away when I started uh, doing stand up again, and so you know you, you you don't I don't feel that as much now. When I would go up first few times, I start getting up at the comedy store, and uh, wait, you meant the road was safer for you? Yeah, I mean you know because if they were buying a ticket to see Tom Green. Yeah, sure, right. Yeah, you yeah. weren't one of twenty five. Yeah, and you might be following. Yeah, whoever. Yeah, exactly. It's I so, get it. So, but but. Uh, but actually, uh, that that sort of dissipated pretty quickly. The, that that 
that kind of insecurity. I, a few uh, wins under your belt in a way. I just, I, uh, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, I mean, I look, I, I, I have, I, I get cr- crazy nerves before I get on stage. Still, yeah, every night, like panic all day. So, uh, it ruins your day. Ruins my day. So, like, I often won't do <laughs> stand up. Weird thing that we do. Yeah, I won't. Ruins do, my day. Yeah, this thing that you love. And then, but then after the show, I'm so happy yeah. and so relieved and, and adrenaline and feel so great. Uh, so, Un- untouchable after the yeah, show. Yeah. So I often, you know, there will be often times I just won't do stand up when I'm in town here because I just I need if I just got back off the road and I just can't I can't just pop down and do a spot and not be worried for the two three hours leading up to it it's gonna ruin dinner yeah yeah so uh so i i I just i don't know i i think it's just nerves though and so i don't know if that's necessarily and then do you think it comes off on stage are you able to so the second i get on stage it kind of goes away a little bit yeah like i think it's just I, i i replay in my head i'm playing every word in my head Mm. I'm sort of like trying to calculate every single word, like rehearsing. Yeah, yeah. constantly all day. Trying, what, like how, how reorganizing the jokes. What order am I going to do this in today? And what do I want to talk about today? And I'm yeah. just kind of replaying it all in my head, and um, and that kind of. But really I, and I know that doesn't happen for everybody, so it's it's is 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 a bit frustrating for me. Like I know, yeah. like my friend Harland, who's one of my best friends, right? Hey. He's he's just goes and does it. You know, right. he doesn't. He doesn't. He's been doing it a lot longer than I have too, but uh, he just goes. But he's a different animal. Yeah, he just goes and he does it. You know, so. But it's interesting because what you did do in the '90s was so improvisational and loose. So something that I would do, I, I'm a little bit more in the Harlan camp where I try and stay in a conversational space when I'm doing stand-up, even though uh-huh. I am saying yeah. often the same joke exactly the same way. Yes, but I'm trying to do it in a loose way, whatever. I can do that, but I could never do, and I'm not saying this in that like dumb way. I could never do. I mean, like I would not be able to like chase someone who is mad at me with a microphone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, on the street. Your fearlessness mm. in that regard. Yeah. So it's like how I'm feeling about that is how a lot of people feel about stand up. They're like, I could never do what you do, or that's the scariest thing to me. Actually, the scariest thing to me is this other thing that you do. So it's kind of crazy that you can do stand up. Which is like so frightening for so many, yeah. and you can do this thing that's frightening to me—a stand-up. I think I was pretty <laughs> frightened when I was on the street. W- oh, really? After people, you don't too. seem it. Yeah. you seem very I th- relaxed. I think it's sort of this. We talked about it before when we did when, when we did Larry, yeah, Larry's show. But uh, no, f- feel free to you know reuse like, any. Answer. I have this sort of profound fear of of failure, right? So it just is just sort of probably dominated like. So that's uh, why you uh, were chasing uh, after the... Well, just like, no, like when I'm out in the street doing the, the show, right, I, I was worried about the show failing, right? So this this show's got to be funny. So you didn't have a producer. I always assumed it was jump cutting around some producer going, Tom, you got to go after him, baby. No, no, I was the producer. It was you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going, let's go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I was the producer. Let's find the cruise director and... and Pretty much. Well, that was an yeah. MTV bit. So at that point, we had a producer who was a guy who was working on the show with right. us. But, but still. But the, the, the bulk of those bits that we shot was back on public access, and I was editing it, you know, <laughs> I was coming up with the ideas with my buddies, so... But that, to you, was frightening. Would that ruin your day? I'm going to go... The frightening part wasn't 
the getting chased by the guy with the hammer, the frightening part was the the possibility that it wouldn't be funny and that then it wouldn't, you know, at the time in the early years that we wouldn't get picked up by a television network, that I would have to go get a real job, that I'm not going to be able to work in show business, you know, that I'm going to actually have to end up, you know, uh, that that my, my... that I'm, gonna ha- I'm not going to be able to prove wonder- my parents wrong. Look, I told you I was going to make yeah. a TV show. Now i am got to go back and actually, you know, go learn some trade and actually work in a real, you know, legitimate occupation. Right. Which I don't know if I'd be able to handle. So your fear of not being a success in showbiz almost was like writ large in a guy with his face blurred with a hammer. You know what yeah. I mean? It was almost like metaphorically your fear... Of having to get a real job. That was the real Was a guy with a hammer. Yeah. That's how scary it was. In fact, getting a real job was more scary than that guy. Yeah. It's almost like there's a feeling watching those old things where it's like if you think it would be funny, obviously, to get threatened or like when they take you out of the big bubble, there's that that sketch where you're like, I have allergies, so I go in a big bubble. Right. And you go on the field in Central Park Uh and they, these, jockey guys are really being mean to you and pushing the ball and very aggressive yeah i'm like i would never again i I, my hands are sweating talking about it (laughs) and then they zip you out right Uh, uh they find the zip Mm -hmm. and you come out face first Mm -hmm. like a fish Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. most people you've been caught by the jocks with their baseball bats Mm -hmm. and their muscles Mm -hmm. are going to come out with their guard up Mm-hmm. You came out as if your posture was saying, if it's funny to get hit, yeah, let them hit me. That was the feeling? You know, I never actually got hit physically harmed. But you could have at any moment. So there's this, to, to really get into the, the the weeds on that. Sure. So. You made it weeds. Yeah. I feel like uh, I have an, a sense of. With the guy with the hammer, with that moment you're talking about, with the, I, you know, there's a sort of a sense of I, I have an ability to make eye contact with the person as I'm coming out, and there's something about my demeanor and the fact that I'm a was a skinny guy and kind of like you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses. Yeah, I, I, glasses I feel like face. I was able to kind of steer <laughs> the energy in a way where they end up not hitting me, and that was kind of the. I think that was kind of the thing that I was sort of feel was like what I did on the show was I would create situations that were crazy and I would get people just to the tipping point, but then I would sort of keep them just on this side of actually getting violent. So I would just get them just simmering. Just <laughs> That was your superpower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was like you know, when you I were- was coming out with me with the hammer, I knew, okay, if I walk at this speed, you know, he's – He's not going to be able to hit me, but he's also going to keep coming. Yeah. Because and and if he stops and turns around, then maybe I'll go back a little bit, and then you steer him back and (laughs) kind of kind of sort of kind of like keep him on the line a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit of a manipulation for sure. You know, right? But but that was what that was what the show feels when he sees it. When when the people who were in the videos, so do you hope that they laugh 
or or so change. that was so that was that was that was in the years on MTV where we had to get a release form signed. So that we didn't have to get release. I thought form his signed. face was blurred because he didn't sign a release. No, no, that guy's face was probably not blurred. Actually, the the, the pizza guy, the, the hammer guy, hammer um, guy on the clip I saw was blurred. Okay, okay. Hmm. Uh, Either that, or he just has a smudgy face. He could have a smudgy. Might be a less. Yeah. It's like the Mitch Hedberg joke. Yeah. I think Bigfoot is blurry. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Man. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Uh, it's possible it was like that. Okay, but, but he had to get a release. You had to go back. So we we had to. Now we're in the weeds. People from MTV had to go back and explain the next day? to him the next day. When he wasn't drinking outside. He didn't want to sign, and then eventually they explained what it was, and eventually he signed the release form. So with so, cash, sweet cash. I think probably a few bucks exchanged hands for sure. That was yeah. an interesting thing on crashing that the homeless people figured out too. Mm. It's because we shot in the West Village so much. There was one guy in particular that would walk around. We knew he was coming every time and it'd just be going hey oh wow hey and it was clockwork someone would go and tell him to go please wow. be quiet we're shooting but he knew oh yeah it was like by the way we're not making fun of like uh obviously he's no he, he might be unstable i don't he know knew that he disrupt the film shoot he but get 100 he bucks knew or what like he that. was doing yeah in that savvy new york homeless way yeah where he was like i've done this a million times yeah you'll give me a hundred dollars yeah 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 or and i heard other stories of people with loud motorcycles would go and park them and just be like what yeah maybe i shouldn't be saying that well yeah. it I don't think people that listen to this podcast. Do you think the homeless <laughs> are uh, like the crazy people? Think, like, how can I get a scam going next time I see them filming an episode of Bones? Yeah, but there were homeless people <laughs> in New York that knew. Yeah, you have to pay me at a certain point, mm. or music being turned down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, if you are listening to this, don't don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. I know sometimes it seems like fancy show business people are coming into your town and telling you to be quiet, yeah. but really, it's like an an overworked stressed out under the gun almost more like a construction worker that's what like the ad's and the pas and the grips are ordinary people trying to do an ordinary job they just happen to be pointing their equipment at ben affleck you're not fucking with ben affleck you're fucking with like a working person yeah yeah for sure (laughs) so let's let's be clear about that yeah um affleck Affleck doesn't doesn't care affleck will go to his double wide trailer and get a blowjob while playing Wii. Yeah, because he hasn't updated his system in a while. <laughs> he did what? There's something else. <laughs> he's got the newest bat suit, but he's got a wig. So how how like that must have been pretty cool to like 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 at at what point do people kind of on crashing with everybody all these incredible comedians playing themselves yeah. in a world that is their world? At what point do you guys? ever find yourselves kind of like forgetting that it's like i mean do you lose sort of yourself a little bit in it you know like like, i mean like what's your relationship with uh with Artie lang like do you do you do you guys stay in touch right now or well Artie's in rehab right now yeah 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 so i couldn't when the show got canceled i couldn't call him if i wanted to i texted a guy who I know works very closely with him, his friend Dan. Yeah. So I was like, please tell Artie this and tell him it was great working with him and all that sort of stuff. But um, Car- I, I found yeah. it just sort of went like he's, I, I know Artie, I've, I've 
interviewed him, and he, I, I, I've been on his show a few times, and we've been friendly over the years. He's always been super nice to me, and I worry a lot about Artie, you know, as yeah. as, as 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 I'm sure all of his friends do, and uh, you know, so like. It must have been interesting for him and for everybody, in, not just in that situation, but with all the all the comics, to sort of be playing themselves and digging into. You some mean of these in, very? Real, I understand your question now. Real when sort of, I sort when, of real sort of traumatic so that, moments in your life. That and, episode about Artie's addiction. Yeah, one of the weirdest, most surrealist things we ever did. Artie is basically the the third writer of that episode. Yeah, because we Judd and I interviewed him and really. Jed is pretty fearless too, in a way that I can't be. Um, I'm just—it's not that Jed's not sweet, but I'm just like too sweet to like just be that artistically blunt with him. Uh-huh. But our, I remember Jed would just be like, "Artie, what are the lies you tell?" <laughs> He's like, "How do you lie to people?" Yeah. And what's weird is some of the things in that episode were things that were lies that he had said to me in real life. Yeah, yeah. Like there are those guys. In his apartment. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. So I go to Artie's place and there's these two sketchy guys in the, his apartment. The drug dealers. And that happened when... Well, in my mind, they were they were friends that he was doing drugs with. Right. Sure, so. yeah. yeah. And then... Um, but I don't know. One time I saw Artie with two sketchy guys. And yeah. I was like, who were those guys? Yeah. yeah. So we're- <laughs> And he said they were... Uh, contest winners from my podcast that's what he said yeah so in the episode he says those guys were contest winners from my podcast yeah. so here's already right. doing a line mm-hmm. in a script that he had done to me in real life that i don't know if it was a lie it sure sounds like a lie yeah but he's doing it in a script as a lie and we never really talked about it directly but like that is some episodes of, the, of filming crashing were a little like Black Mirror in that way. Yeah, no, that's but, sort of that's so, that's the question I'm trying to ask. Is how, that, how complicated was that crazy. to getting to that place where you're being so honest? But about that's already that's what I mean when I say he's crazy. He's a crazy artist in that way. Where he said he he was very frank with Judd and I. He was like, I want if we can do something that makes people not start using heroin. Yeah, that's what I want to do. He's like, I don't care. Yeah. Read his books, listen to his podcast. He doesn't care. He'll share anything. So, like, when we knew that that was the case, we sort of went crazy. For me, filming it, it was really weird. For Artie, I really think, you know, I asked him. He always, in between scenes and stuff, I'd always be like, is this okay? Is this okay? Especially the big fight that we had. Yeah. We're, like, hugging in between. And it was very sweet in between. Because he didn't like being mean to me. And I didn't Uh like, you know, what I was saying, too. Uh But um, that that was a difficult episode. To see. The, the stuff with my parents too, which are two actors, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, Fred right. and Audrey. But yeah. like that was really hard for me to shoot as well because everything they were every line that my parents say on that show is something that my parents say. Right. Like so, there was no there were no fake lines. Yeah, I see. everything they say was something they say, yeah. and that made my to quote Eric Andre, my dick go inside my body. Uh-huh. Like I was just like it was too much. So have you had those those kind of like the those like the moment with the girlfriend and your mom? Is that from real life? Is in that, the third season? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where every yeah. yeah everything is inspired by something that happened to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that was also very traumatic. And I talked to my mom about it, and she didn't really mention it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I when we were shooting that episode, I called her 
and was like, I told her the plot of the episode. Uh, uh. I was like, do you remember when you told my girlfriend to put on a bra? We're actually putting that in the episode. Right, right, just right. So, not to ask her permission. Right. It was more to just sort of give her a heads up. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that, that to me is how I've matured as a performer. In the old days, I would be like, do you mind? And now I'm just like, look. I lived it. It's my story. Yeah, yeah. You like in real life, she told a girlfriend of mine to put a bra on. Yeah, because she was distracting my father, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Did Dad <laughs> say that?" Like, and he didn't. But she was just like, it was this weird territorial pissing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what I said to my mom, "What if her parents said your pants are too tight? I can see your cock." Makes me cringe every time I watch that, and I had to watch it a thousand times in the edit. But that's what I actually said. Uh-huh. And it was this weird flare-up of I was always so polite with my mother, but backed in a corner where I had to choose between her and my girlfriend, I said cock mm-hmm. in this like really like, I'm with her. I'm with the brawless smoking girl that says cock. And that <laughs> like it was actually kind of sweet. That the one of the relationships that that relationship on TV is inspired by mm-hmm. was very essential to me. Yeah. I look at her as like a, a jailbreaker for, yeah. for me. She broke me out of this prison of thinking I had to be my mother's son yeah. in that saccharine, yeah. inappropriate Broke way. out of prison pretty quickly with that one, too. That's what I mean is you yeah. sort of like, I, in that moment, there was intense suffering for everybody involved. Yeah. Maybe not the girlfriend. I don't know. She was pretty unflappable. But for me and my mom, it was uncomfortable but that those were the birthing pains of going like almost like in a Tom Greeny way, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you doing? So has that girlfriend that is inspired that character seen the show, that ex girlfriend? I don't know, but it's it's one of the girl it's, yeah. it's, it's it's it really is an amalgamation. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that because I, I mean for me I saw a lot of I've had situations and I've relationships. A lot of emails where you people know, are like, like thank the, you for the, showing when the when the girl when the girl's drinking too much at, at the at the and getting jealous of the ex girlfriend at the yeah. at the at the uh, comedy cellar right. and then the the blowout on the street. I mean that that whole scene was just kinda like I got a lot oh, of Oh wow, that's just like happened to me more times than I wish I could Isn't that crazy? admit, you know, where you're getting yelled at on the street by somebody. I just you know? I was remembering a relationship where uh it was that relationship. I don't know why I'm being coded. I had I that person was lovely and I was madly in love with her and we were both probably not great for each other. Just like on the show where Pete's character really like lights this woman's fuse yeah. and he's not being great to her. He's being sort of passive aggressive and waspy and like weird and withholding. And so he's not being great either. She's just the more honest one and more upfront. But that, that girlfriend and I, I remember would be at the Grove, would go to the Grove. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, Grove's just like an outdoor mall here yeah. in LA. And we'd get there, would have a fight. Uh-huh. In by the fountain. Yeah, yeah. We just have a huge fight. Right, right, right. Which was just like on the show, which was just me being yelled at because I'm not, I, I don't yell. Yeah. So I'd just be like, I'd be sarcastic. I'd be like, great, great, great day at the Grove. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was the way that I would fight. Yeah. And then would leave. Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't even go in any of the stores because right. we were in too big of a fight. Yeah. And the number of times, I know this is weird, but I say this to Val sometimes, the number of times I would sign the credit card receipt for a meal like an expensive meal where we were like furious at each other. Yeah. Like the meal started fine. And then at the end I'm signing it just dying. Yeah. And again, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't my fault. It was just like the, the two people together just wasn't ultimately right. So I want to have respect for her. Sure. Sure. But like the number of emails I got, 
it's this re- weird phenomenon where we're like, the more specific we are, the more universal we end up being. Yeah. So I wrote things about my mom saying, put on a bra, or a girl uh, screaming at me and, and being inappropriate and having weird blind spots and all this stuff. And so many people reached out of the woodwork. Weird, like real estate agents I used to know in New York who had my email would write and be like, sorry, I just had to tell you. <laughs> Like, that scene was yeah. so relatable. Yeah. yeah. So isn't that weird with art? The more specific, yeah. the yeah. more universal. Uh, it's just and and incredibly well executed too. She killed it. She yeah. nailed it. And 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 you and everybody on the show was I just amazing. Appreciate that. Uh, well, that's Madeline Wise. She nailed. She yeah. fucking killed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, I, I'm honored that you like it. Oh, it was. I, I, I'm. And uh, congratulations on an incredible uh, oh, run thanks, with the show. Man. You know, yeah, that's that's, that's well amazing. I appreciate that. Yeah. How do you, uh, how is your relationship? You like stand up now? Yeah. And what do you do now? Are you like in the in the place where you try and do a new hour every once in a while? Or are you honing an act for the for a while? Uh, yeah. I always like just keep. I I actually have decided I'm I'm I know what I'm doing wrong. Actually. What's that? I'm I'm not I, I I don't retire my material like the way people talk about doing that. But you do that after you. So I, I just keep something. adding new stuff to it. Mm-hmm. But then I always end up having you know five or ten bits that I just never stop doing. You know, like the, you, they'll rotate through. So I'm like sort of like I'll I'll just keep adding you know new material into it, slipping it in between other bits. Yeah, I do want to just kind of retire whatever an hour of material and start from scratch but it's 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 i'm 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 uh, i tend to more just keep chipping away at it and adding new tags to things and adding new moments you don't get tired of it i do get tired of it i do get tired of it yeah i think <laughs> I that's why it. i'm talking about it i now love on your, your podcast. face just there you're like no i do yeah, i do yeah. i get very i, think, tired I feel like it. by talking about it on on your show it will put me in a position where i now have to but uh, every to comedian we it's an interesting thing so we, we have a, a semi truck filled with our material yeah. and of course you get very close with it mm-hmm. and it's kept you company literally on the road and then to make it easier to get rid of it you sell it yeah <laughs> Like like selling, like selling a loved one. You're yeah. just like, but I mean, have you considered uh, putting a special together? Uh, I mean, I I did one uh, about five years ago. No, seven years ago, I did one. Uh, I haven't done one since. I'd like the to do one. Climate has changed. I'd, I'd like to do one I'd in like seven to, years. I'd, I'd be ready to do one. Yeah, I think yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to do one. I I mean, I did one. Didn't I joke? You'd call it Freddie Got Fisted. Yeah, I did. Which I, was your joke? Yeah, yeah. but I said it. Yeah, and I, and we're friends. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would like to do another one. I think I, uh, you know, I, I, I always find it frustrating though when you film stand up. Yeah, I just find it so frustrating because no matter how great of a set you have, no matter how well you shoot it, I just have yet to been able to film stand up where it really captures the energy that you feel when you're in the club. You know, like, yeah. and it just to me, it's almost like. Sometimes I almost think it's almost not worth doing it because it just to me it's like frustrating because I know you know what it's like when you're in a room and the, it's hot and people are just you're killing yeah. it and yeah. the, you feel it and then when you watch it and it's two dimensional on a screen and you're not surrounded by people it just it to me but it, it becomes just a, I I completely agree it, yeah to t- go ahead it just kind of it just kind of to me it frustrates me because it doesn't quite end up. 
telling the story of what it actually is, you know? Because it's not a live stand-up show anymore. It becomes a stand-up special. Yeah. What you and I, because I agree with you, can lose sight of is the impossible notion that people enjoy stand-up specials. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that possibility yeah. isn't as real to us uh-huh. as it is to people who love comedy right, in we, that way. We can't really suspend disbelief but, when we watch it. And you've been on the stage and been feeling mm-hmm. – so you're feeling mm-hmm. that you're feeling on stage, the adrenalized mm-hmm. feeling. Mm-hmm. You're looking to recreate it with that. But that's not what's going to happen. But maybe it's easier to get that feeling that you get in the audience recreated. I'm not sure. Yeah. But you might get 70% of it. For TV, pretty good. Yeah. So we're sort of bad. Like, what I'm saying is I think as stimps, we need to go like, it is what it is. It's like, I, I write about this in my book. Like, you pick up a wet stone in the ocean that's so beautiful. And you want to take it home. But you know by the time you get it home, it's going to be dry and it's just a normal rock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That normal rock is still pretty fucking great to some people. Yeah. And I sometimes forget that people really love stand-up specials. And you want to find a way yeah. to, like, put it out and have it be the whole experience. Yeah. But we can't. We just have to lay down our arms. I shot a set in Philadelphia a few couple months ago and just put it on my website you know it's a that's full, great full hour set you really know? yeah i shot it with like you know good cameras three cameras and just just put it out there and i i, I enjoyed doing that because it felt cathartic to just have it documented and being seen by people but yeah but um i get that i'm getting ready to go on my first asian tour Ooh. so i'm leaving Next, on April 8th, um, in a couple weeks, I'm leaving and I'm going, I'm performing in Hong Kong, Tokyo, Singapore, Manila, uh, Saigon, Vietnam, and, uh, you know, in clubs. Wow. And, uh, For expats, I'm assuming. Expats, yeah. Uh, I actually know I speak all those languages. Very multilingual. But... Um, <laughs> that was a great delivery. But... And I'm doing that just to kind of get to go see those places. I've never been there before. I've never done that before. Yeah. And uh, so that's pretty exciting. And, but uh, you'll be nervous all day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm you'll need have, days off. I'm going to have fun doing that. Another thing I like to do, I like, <laughs> I like, I like making music. So I've got a recording studio at home. I built this recording studio in my house. And I'm back, going back to the days when I was making rap beats when I was a kid. So I make beats. Back in the days a, when you were a teenager? Yeah. I'm putting out a record uh, on vinyl. On vinyl. Uh, oh. Next month. So uh, A rap album? Uh, it's sort of like different songs. Uh, fun, some funny songs. Some sound clips from my TV show that I've sampled into. EDM type beats and it's just sort of a weird comedy record. It's wow. got some samples of stand up mixed with beats and all sorts of stuff. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So And you don't smoke weed? Uh not that <laughs> sounds like a guy so, who's had a nice career, who's in his basement, so I, smoking some weed, going I, this old bit. I don't would do that. Sound I great don't, with a beat. So when I say I've ne- never done drugs, I have tried that weed yeah but i don't do it don't really smoke it regularly uh, you didn't uh yeah so i, I my, also i'm know. also i haven't had weed in a long time yeah, I, and i really like it and, and i can and, remember my phone yeah, number i stopped I, I don't i never really got really into that um what was it like uh, when you tried it like when i when i was 25 years old was the first time i tried it and uh i got so panicked mm. It, it, it uh, so I just got so paranoid from it. Yeah, that because it, I, that, 
it sort of makes sense. I mean, we have the like the fear of failure, mm-hmm. which we've talked about. Yeah. And then we have the like you're always kind of up against something and, and the feeling of almost like imposter syndrome. You don't want to feel like you don't belong. I remember I started those. laughing. I started looking at my hand and just laughing at the absurdity of my hand. Wow. For a, about five minutes, uncontrollable laughter. And then I realized, okay, I shouldn't be laughing this hard. And then I got scared that I was laughing so hard. And I thought, clearly something must be going wrong in my brain right now, and I'm I'm going to die. And then I went and I hid under a bed. It was a party in Canada. And I went and hid under a bed for a couple of hours. And then I said, I'm never touching that stuff ever again. And I didn't touch it again for like 10 years. Wow. And then, uh, then I was down here in L.A., and I... Tried it again, and I said, "Well, this shit's pretty good, actually." Oh, really? <laughs> so I, 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 I don't didn't have this fear of it at that point. But in the last last few years, I just kind of, uh, you know, just not even really drinking that much these days. You know, just kind of trying to not drink. Just, but when you made this record, you weren't token to the sweet Mary Jane. Not, not really, not really. From time to time, maybe a little. You're a sweet boy. Occasional. You don't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. You never. I never find that instinct on this podcast. You know, I. Uh, it's, it's nice. I've kind of like. I've got this feeling that like. Playing up, talking about smoking weed. Yeah. To me, is kind of like. No, no. It's been frustrating for me. Like I didn't. I. I. I I'm not a guy that smoked weed in, when I was doing the Tom Green show on right. MTV. I didn't. I didn't. But people always come up to me oh you must have been so high on they that show you, were, you right. must yeah. have been so high on weed when you, oh, right. you smoke a lot of weed and that was on the weed 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 i'm like no actually it was completely of course straight on and so it sort of made me feel like it's made me feel over the years like oh if weed is like an ex- the reason why it's weird right, right. Oh, it's, oh the show's weird because i was high on weed no no actually i wasn't high on weed i was just Fucking weird guy, you know? and it's okay to be weird. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird. weird show. You don't have to be right on drugs to be weird, you know. So, but right, I completely but, get that. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, yeah. So that's that's part of it, I guess. Yeah, I just became a U.S. citizen too. Did I? Tell I you remember that? you became yeah. a U.S. citizen about the three, day yeah, that I interviewed yeah, about you about three weeks ago. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, and that feels nice. Feels pretty good, you know. Yeah, if I get uh, if I get arrested now for anything. I uh, I won't get deported, right? Oh, fun! Yeah, so that's a nice. I feel like I've got a renewed sense of, uh, I don't know, like I I can probably uh, be a little bit more. Uh, like I actually, I actually have started thinking I can probably be more controversial on stage now. Maybe I can say some things that maybe I would have. You used to have a fear of deportation. Well, you know, like I talk a little bit about Trump, right? Because I I know oh, yeah. Trump because right. I was Isn't on. Isn't it crazy that I'm like. Oh right, 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 right. Because yeah, that was it, on his show, yeah. right? And he fired me on The Apprentice. And, oh, I forgot that yeah. you knew the the. I know the Donald president, Trump. Yeah, so I've t- I've talked about. I, that. Didn't I ask you what does he eat or something? I was like, what did he eat? And you said you never saw him eat. Yeah. Well, didn't, didn't you? Did you have any interactions with him? Yeah, yeah, we hung out a little bit in the hallway here and there, waiting for the show to start. And then, of course, he screamed at me when he fired me. He uh, did. So I've had the president scream at me, which was. Which was interesting, but you were—it was TV screaming. Was he screaming? And then he went, "Hold on, let me do that again." I think he was actually particularly annoyed with me. Oh, because, really? Because I—I—I I, I got fired because I went drinking with Dennis Rodman 
on the night I was the project manager. Okay, so oh. I was I had a serious responsible responsibility there on the show, and I think Trump. I think Trump has a certain. He really looks down on people that that drink. Oh, um, and because I but was not also Wendy's in, well into their fifties. Yeah, and I was also <laughs> in every a, day. Yeah, yeah, but I think he's you know I think he's had his his brother had. I think had alcoholism and uh-huh. affected his life badly. So he's very non non drinker himself, right? Mm. So I think the fact that I slept through my alarm on the day of the big show. So that's real. Yeah. That sounds like a fake I producer. think sort of kind of filtered its way up to the president and uh you know, he, he lost some respect for me, I think, on and, and yeah, really really let let loose on me there. Did he call you a name? Uh he said, "What did he say?" He said, um, "Ah, he just he said something like, yeah, you weren't, you weren't even that good last week because the week before I'd raised a lot of money, and he was impressed. But then the next week, <laughs> you weren't even that good last week. Oh, get took, out of here! He you took know? it away. Yeah, he took it away. He took his level. So then away. I wrote him a letter on Trump Tower stationery after I got fired, and uh, I." Did you all stay at the Trump Tower? When yeah, you- we all stayed at Trump Tower. Uh-huh. There, the the one down by the Columbus Circle. Uh, nice, uh-huh. pretty nice. Blue Apron. Yeah, nice Every morning. Nice bar. <laughs> Uh, I'd go meet Dennis Rodman down there after the show every day, and we'd have a few uh, vodka vodka cranberries, and then go hit the town. It was a good time. I had a lot of fun hanging out with Dennis Rodman. It was more fun hanging out with Dennis Rodman. Like it was worth getting fired for all we had fun in New York. Are you still friends with Dennis Rodman? I haven't really talked to him much. This was over ten years ago. Oh but, yeah, uh, we we hung out a few times after that. But okay. but uh, anyways, I wrote Trump a letter. I said, Mister Trump, I'm sorry that I. Went out drinking with Dennis Rodman on the night I was a project manager. I know that wasn't a very business-like choice, but (laughs) I know this is also a TV show. I thought as a comedian I wanted to do something that might be funny on television, and I want the show to be successful. So wish you luck with the show. So it was a sincere letter. A sincere letter. Wish you luck with the show. Thank you for having me on. Tom. So then I get a call the next day from the producers, and they say, you know, Mr. Trump really liked your letter a lot. And then they uh, they brought me back on the show for the final three episodes, which is unheard of for somebody who's fired in the third episode of the season. So I have the distinction. They always bring... They always bring someone back. I think it's really funny. I have the distinction of being the earliest person fired in a yes. season to then be brought back. I think it's funny that so, when we talked about how like... Not, so I'm, I'm proud of that. I hear that. You hear the pride. <laughs> I could see you. It's like when we talked about you, Big Brother. I you saw, were like, I was voted the audience favorite. I could see you were you were keying in on the pride. I was keying in on the you pride. You saw the pride. But it, what makes the pride funny <laughs> to me is that like... You yeah. started in such an iconoclastic, everything is bullshit, yeah. who are you place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then every once in a while, you make me laugh really hard where you're like, yeah. it was unprecedented that they would bring back someone who was fired yeah. mm-hmm. after staying out drinking yeah. with Dennis Rodman yeah. for the final three episodes. Like, that is the most bullshit inside the bullshit bullshit that's ever bullshitted, right? I'm conflicted about it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is like a, a very real 
thing. <laughs> because the problem with, with The Apprentice is that, like, and especially now that he's the president, and especially, you know, without getting into, too into politics, but given, you know, the the nature of his presidency, you know, with, with the de- demagoguery and all of the sort mm-hmm. of, you know... If you don't know divisive what that word means, things, it. The, the, <laughs> the divisiveness of his of his presidency, right? Yeah. Which is what I can't stand about it. Right? Most people who don't like him, I think that's probably the thing we don't like is this racial rhetoric and the divisiveness. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what I think is horrible about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people watched that show before he was before he ran for president, I actually liked donald trump like i thought he was a hoot yeah it was just fun to watch on television a character it was sort of an absurd character the way he behaved as that as the host of that show i mean i was a fan of the show so i was i was a little conflicted then because i you know I, I, i did want him to like me you know but at the same time he was an aggressive authority figure which is something that i push against Mm -hmm. and so you know i had to kind of deal with that grapple with that after the you know eight years after the after getting fired by donald trump but before he became this divisive president there was an eight-year period of time where people were coming up to me and the fact that i got fired by donald trump was like they really thought that i really must not be a very good businessman you know, and they were not impressed. Most people were not impressed. You know, you got fired in the third episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably not a very good businessman. You, uh, and you felt that. And then I felt kind of like, well, you know, but I, I wrote him a letter and he brought me back. This you know, is, and I felt the need to defend so the fact. Music right. is that but, you see through everything, but but you believe in the importance of those opinions. Well, I do. I do have this intense desire to want to make people like me for some reason. But that's giving the authority. You're letting them tell you how to feel. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, 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 I have a lot of. Uh, but of, that is the biggest yield of authority to somebody else. Yeah, probably. Yeah, isn't yeah. that an interesting? I think that's what makes me hate it so much. Right? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's the conflict. Uh-huh. It's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you know, and now all of a sudden, it's almost like a badge of honor to have been fired by the president. And the fact that he, you know, the, right, because you don't want him for fired. certain people. Like I mean, yeah. you know, the you know people that don't like the president. Now it's okay, you know, and so it's it's a completely different. It's so thing. funny. I find this so funny. Yeah. Like when we talked about soup on Larry King, yeah. I find it so <laughs> funny that somebody that was like. The title cruise director is bullshit, and uh, <laughs> you're being angry is bullshit, and all this stuff. You're so good at calling bullshit on so many things, and yet there's this part of you that really believes that show business is an important thing, that what people think about you is important. Yeah, yeah. What, like your value is determined by yeah. these knuckleheads that think because you were fired yeah. on a reality show that you're not good at business. What do you make of this? Why can't you Tom Green those that bullshit? Yeah, that, if I was your therapist, I'd say let's let yeah. twenty one. Yeah, it feels like a therapy. Tom. This is I like I like think I just want to come here and sit on the couch. Come to think of it, maybe let's actually get in that sauna. 
<laughs> I think that might be. It's yeah, funny. Yeah. I, I just think that Tom Green <laughs> energy would might be beneficial to go like because there is, and this kind of ties in nicely to the last portion of the show here. Is there is something almost Buddhist about your rap scallionness as a youth, mm-hmm. and that continues where you're just like nothing. Nothing matters. It's all made up. Mm-hmm. So let's party. Let's be silly. Mm-hmm. So that matters. Mm-hmm. We could take that sort of flesh-eating bacteria and put it on your anxiety, mm-hmm. and maybe it would go away. That would be that yeah, would be nice. Sweet. I would love that. I do. I you know. I, I and I, while it's at it, put it on mine too. I'm not saying I have it figured out. Yeah, yeah. I like that young Tom that goes like, "What you think a baseball game is a thing? Okay, <laughs> you think <laughs> the Apprentice is a thing? Uh-huh. Let's roll the big the the." allergy ball mm-hmm. onto the set of The Apprentice mm-hmm. and have them kick you out of that because mm-hmm. nothing fucking matters in the good way. So when they brought me back on The Apprentice, I, <laughs> I showed up on a horse. There you go. Yeah, I did show up on a horse. I thought you were, that would have been so funny if you were just so, like, yeah. Donald did say, yeah, yeah. I really brought something to the pro- yeah. program. You showed yeah. up on a horse. There you I go. Up, so because Clint Black was on the show and he'd been not the friendliest guy to me on the Who show. That? He's a country singer. His name's uh-huh. Clint Black. And he wore like a, a black cowboy hat, wore a big dip. black, big black cowboy hat mm-hmm. in the whole show every day. And so I thought it'd be funny in the finale when they bring me back if I showed up on horseback in Manhattan at Trump Tower with a cowboy hat on. So I, um, I did that. They wouldn't let me ride the horse into Trump Tower, right? So I got off the horse, and the producers were kind of. Now stressed out that I wasn't taking this is the big live show, the big live finale. Yeah. And I walk in, I got the same cowboy hat as Clint on. They're going, well, you're, <laughs> you're going to take the hat off, right? And I go, well, no, I think I'll wear the hat. You, you, you can't wear the hat. Clint wears the hat. I go, well, I thought this was a reality show. I just, I just want to wear a hat. And so I got a little fake, you know. Did I was, they make I was, you take I was, the hat I was, off? Yeah, I took it off. I was, I was fucking with him a little bit. But that the only reason I tell that story is because uh, I was, I was sitting there in the hallway. And uh, with Donald Trump that day, later that day, and uh, we were just chatting, and I said, uh, you know, I I tried to ride a horse into your hotel here today. And he said, what? I showed up on a horse. And he just kind of looked at me, and uh, I don't think he really... He said, "We have to build a fence." I don't think he really found that humorous. I don't think he really got it. We have to build a fence, (laughs) and we'll make the horses pay for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it it was sort of that moment where I—that was where I sort of saw, like, okay, we're very different people, Donald Trump and I. Like, there was no sense of. Oh, that's. He wasn't. He wasn't like impressed that I'd gone and rented a horse. Right. Showed up. He just kind of was very confused by that. Which was the intention, but I just thought maybe he would have seen some redeeming value in me yeah. showing up on horseback. Yeah. But no, there was just sort of a, a tilt of the head and a, yeah. okay, and he just kind of walked away kind of thing. <laughs> so, Which is how a horse would react to that yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Same reaction. Yeah. Well, we always talk about the meaning of life. I don't know if you've ever, uh, that's what happens on this podcast, if you're familiar. Um do you really? have any? Yeah. Do you have any feelings about the meaning of life? that? Is very odd, you know. Why is that? Because I tweeted something. I saw you this morning. I liked it about. I was going to ask you about it. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you tell okay. people the tweet. Is that why? Is that why you brought no. this up? No, I was going to bring it up anyway. It's every episode. Uh, no, I was just. I was just. I just was. Uh, I've. I've been kind of just reading 
some philo- philosophers lately just for and I don't retain any information so I can't really quote it but I I I find it interesting so I've been reading some Nietzsche and some Plato and and I'm just reading this stuff and uh and and I just started sort of picking up certain things that they would observe right and and uh and uh so I was just reading a little bit about how we're sort of you know need to be essentially aware of the absurdity of our own existence, right? Mm-hmm. Just the fact that we actually exist is completely insane, mm-hmm. right? Completely the fact agree. that we're alive right now is insane, and right? That the, we know that we're alive. And we know we're alive. And that we're floating on a space ride. And there's been a hundred billion people have lived on the planet yeah. throughout all of history. And, and we're, we're floating in infinity. Yeah, yeah. It's absurd. It's a joke. And it's a joke. It's a cosmic joke. Yeah. It's a joke. So I, I uh, trying to think of the exact wording of my tweet this morning, but it was something like, uh, you know, if you are aware of the absurdity of uh, of the absurdity of our existence, right? That is maybe gives life some meaning. If you can make fun of the absurdity of our existence, maybe that's the meaning of the absurdity of, itself. It gives yeah. you something substantial to sort of play with and yeah. work with and sink your teeth into. Because I, I, I spend a lot of time sort of fretting about the sort of pointlessness of everything, right? Like, you know, which is sort of a pessimistic outlook, obviously. Everything is pointless. You know, you work your whole life to, you know, to get to a certain place in life, but then you die and uh, what? What's, what is there? Uh, now, you're, you're, you're a religious man, so you have probably a a, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm not religious. I'm. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm religious. I don't go to any service. Your character was very religious. Yeah, but I am spiritual. Yeah, sure. Are you as religious as your character was? I'm way this, more religious than my character is. Meaning, I yeah. enjoy every religion. Yeah. He so only, he only liked one. So obviously, if I was a hundred percent sure of of the fact that there was some afterlife, right, then I would probably be a lot less concerned about the pointlessness of things. But the, to me, I think sometimes I worry that there's just an absence of anything, and then that makes everything seem somewhat pointless. So, what is the point of life, right? If you know, we do all this stuff and then it all is just a big blank well, emptiness. I, and so to me, it's just like if that tweet today was just sort of saying, you know, well, if we can make fun of the pointlessness and get some sort of enjoyment out of it, hmm. then maybe that's maybe that gives life some meaning, you know. I, I love that. And that it's how do you interpret that pointlessness feeling? Yeah. I, w- I would uh, completely agree that all of these, that's what makes me laugh at the apprentice stories told with um, earnestness. <laughs> I'm like, you're talking about, yeah. you know, a piece of shit mm-hmm. on a barge <laughs> that's going into a volcano right now. And we're yeah. like, remember season nine of the apprentice? And you're yeah. like, but everything's season nine of the apprentice. So, how are we going to deal with that? One option certainly is panic and mm-hmm. depression and sadness. Mm-hmm. And the other isn't just enjoyment, which is your word. I would say liberation. Mm. So realizing that it's all a cosmic joke, that everything you're being Tom Green, if you were just dropped into Tom Green right now, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like If you woke up tomorrow, you looked in the mirror and realized for the first time that you were Tom Green. Yeah. That's that's hilarious. Yeah. But none of it's real. Your maleness isn't real. Your whiteness isn't real. Your Canadianness isn't real. You, look, you just became American. What happened? Mm-hmm. It was all bullshit. Mm-hmm. So if we can let, that's what we would call the small self, 
die and wake up to the real self. And the real self, without getting too metaphysical about it, is your awareness, yeah. is your consciousness. Mm. That has no gender, no identity. Mm-hmm. It also knows no time or space. I understand that it might be extinguished when we die. That's obviously a possibility and a very rational possibility at that. But if we can get into that core isness mm-hmm. inside of ourselves where all of that stuff fades away, that's where real peace is. Yeah. Peace doesn't exist in Tom Green and his story. He can't go like, I've done it. I've killed enough times. Hey, I did. I filmed a, I filmed a comedy special that does capture the magic. All that stuff is fucking gone. It's, you're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. But if we can just, like sometimes I do this on stage, I go like, all of life is just chasing the next feeling. Mm-hmm. I say life is like a piece of pizza. We take a bite and we go, ooh, salty, cheesy. Mm-hmm. Second bite, salty, cheesy. Mm-hmm. I like salty, cheesy, but it's not quite as good as the first bite. Yeah. And yeah. the third bite, ooh, salty, cheesy. This is good. Fourth, fifth, salty, cheesy. Then you just have the crust. You eat it and you're like, ooh, bready, bready. Mm-hmm. Then you eat another bready, bready, bready. And then the, by the third bite of bready, bready, you're like, you know what I could go for? Salty, cheesy. Yeah. So it's just this endless hamster wheel uh-huh. of satiating base desires. Life is like a friggin' extra large pizza, right? But that's yeah. small self. Yeah. Can we, and I do this with the crowd, can we, in this moment, get off the wheel, the hedonic treadmill, of chasing salty, cheesy, or bready, bready, or water, water, or sleepy, sleepy, or jerky, jerky, or sexy, sexy, or nappy, nappy? Can we put all that away and just claim right now, this is enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can. Yeah, and that's heaven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when when you can just relax and enjoy moments, regular moments. Yeah, and uh, and moments plural. There's never moments. It's all one moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just the still point of the moment. That's the frame we're looking through, and the film is running through it. But the moment is always just one thing. It's only ever been this. Yeah. The planet might be going around the sun and give us the idea, and there's things decaying, and there's our heart beating, and that gives us a sense of rhythm and time, and then we build all these things. But really, it's just one. It's always just, it's just one flat this, or infinite this, and there's peace. Yeah, there's no peace for Peter Tom. There's peace when we can get past all that shit. Yeah. I just got back from Costa Rica the day before yesterday. I oh was, wow! I have a home down there for 15 years. I've had this place down there. That's nice. My my sanctuary right i go there and it's in a remote area and and my parents were down there my parents spend the winter down there because that ruins it there well the (laughs) 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 we had we had fun but they they go down there in the winter to get away from the good for you you are such a sweet guy so i i just was down mom dad use my costa rica i just spent 10 days i just spent 10 days with my mom and dad uh, at my place in costa rica and uh you know Watching the sunset over the ocean every night and making fish and, you know, just uh, sitting around talking. And uh, that to me, you know, is just sort of the, the, you know, what it's all about, you know, getting away, getting out of your head. So I I, I do have these ways to get out of my You have like a nice eternal moment. I go there whenever I'm, you know, several times a year when I need to just kind of like. for you. What's the code for the front door? Come on down. You're invited. Absolutely. <laughs> I believe that you would let me come. Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. That is so fun. Absolutely. It's a, uh, yeah, you, you guys have to come. Well, I, I'll, I will, so I will. Uh, sweet. I'll, uh, you're, po- you're beyond. I'll, 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 I'll invite you again in another time and, and, uh, I'll, we'll find a time to do it. You're if so you ever want to come sweet. down, it's amazing. I believe you yep. that it is. I don't yep. even know where Costa Rica is. It's, it's, it's right off the be- coast of Rica, right? Yeah, right in the coast of Rica, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> You've joined me on some terrible bits. And it's for right that, you get the purple heart of this podcast. And an, and an MRE, right? <laughs> <laughs> you get one MRE. Yeah. And a full ceremony purple heart. Absolutely. Right between Nicaragua and Panama. It's Central America. Okay. So, so, so five Not hour, too long. Five-hour flight from here. So. Great. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Yeah. So you're able to kind of get your head off a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like turn your brain off a little I bit. do. I do. I go there and I just... And you can do it with your parents? Well, they're, they're usually they're not they're not always there. So I just mean like, but you were able to like enjoy their company. And... I do, I do, I do like to, uh, to. Not to say that I can't, but I'm just saying like you can really have like a beautiful fish grilling. My night mom without and your dad mom being are like, really. Fun. It's a little gilly. Yeah, that's my mom. <laughs> it's a little gilly. Well, my my, my mom <laughs> is and and dad are r- pr- the funniest people I know. Really, they are. You know, they are. And, and my mom is a, a writer. She was a journalist. She was an editor of a magazine. So, like, I, I can talk like bits with her. I can mm. talk about ideas. We could, we have a real friendship. So, uh-huh. so it's kind of uh, it's nice to be able to spend time with them. And I don't get to see them as much as I would like because I don't because they're not they're in Canada. So, so, are they in Ottawa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is their last name Green? Yes, it is. Can we look up their address? Probably. Give us a guess. Just like a ballpark. Pro, pro, I don't know if there's. Is, I don't know if they're in the phone book anymore. Do they still have that? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Give it a goog. Yeah, yeah. When they what, do you ever talk about the old show with them when you put the statues of them fucking on their lawn and stuff? Do they? Well, they watched the the podcast. The the the. Oh, did they? The, they watched that, so we talked about it no again. Way. Yeah, they watched. That. Did they, they keep really my rude it. joke in? Remember, I made a rude joke, and you went, "Come on." Did uh, they leave it in the cut? You know, I I think they did. Yeah, yeah. I think really? Did, yeah. I'm I'm not sure if they which rude one you mean, but uh, I made a rude joke. I, I regretted it in the moment. Oh, okay. But I assumed they, they could, would cut it out. They. Uh, I made some joke about. They didn't seem uh, upset or anything. So it was like a callback <laughs> later. You talked about someone having sex doggy style, and I think mm. I'm not going to make the joke again. Yeah, yeah. And you went. I remember you went. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, it's so funny to see. Well, because my mom was a little sensitive about that particular bit, but I'm you know, sure. but it, it comes. But up. now they look back. And it, what did you talk? It about? It comes up in conversation it? a lot. You know the, those bits because, uh, like, we'll be. You know, we were actually just last week. We were in a little restaurant in Costa Rica, and some people came up to the table and said, "Hey." Uh, Remember the slut mobile, you know, to my oh, to my parents. So, my so, so God. the 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 bits from MTV. We might be done with the past. Yeah, they but come the past up, isn't done yeah, with they, us. They, it comes up pretty regularly. We the, might be done with the slut mobile. The pranks, yeah. And I think oh, yeah. my parents get a kick out of it. So well, I hope they do now. Yeah, they do. Because I mean, you they used do. all of that pure unbridled silliness to launch a career and a life yeah, for yourself. Yeah. They get a kick out of it. And now they live in a house sometimes in Costa Rica, yeah. paid for by their embarrassment. Yeah, there. I, I I think the slutmobile is probably the reason I have that house for sure. So yeah. I don't think I would have earned it on uh, my own. So You're they, fun. they were a big contributor You're to just that. Just a turkey sandwich <laughs> with like a, a spicy relish on it. Though. There's there's a kick. I'm not saying you're boring. I'm saying you're like just right. Well, this is the last thing. Do you feel good? Do you feel like a happy guest? Yeah, this is awesome. I love right. this. I did too. I like just I just, uh, I just like having a nice uh, conversation with you here with Near your MREs between the MREs and the sauna <laughs> and an elliptical I haven't used in over yeah. a year. Do you have a generator for the sauna so in the apocalypse you can still oh, you know course. have a nice sauna? Of course. Yeah. Gas powered. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Get a get a nice uh, gas powered generator in here so you can 
keep the sauna running while you eat lemons and MREs and <laughs> the, the post-nuclear Armageddon. During, during the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is the final question we always ask because we talk about the meaning of life, and that's a little heady, um, is can you think of a time in your life you laughed really, really hard other than when you looked at your hand when you were stoned? Yeah, yeah. But maybe even the hardest time you've laughed in your life. Yeah, I, I actually have... A tie. They're both when I was watching films. Oh wow! Um, and it's it's in both times. One the first the first time I could experience uncontrolled laughter that did not stop. You know, you know, when you laugh, you can't stop, and it went on for more than five minutes. Wow! One of those laughs sure. was when I was watching Monty Python's Meaning of Life, and they came to take the liver donor. Yeah. And we're here to take your liver, but I'm still using it. And then they just started pulling the guts out. And in that moment, I just, I don't know. It was just right. Just registered as the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. And then the other one is less of a classic comedy moment. Maybe not so. Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, I was watching. You're like they rip his liver. I was watching like, wow, weekend. One- it also involves another person, sort of body. In the scene, first of all, I think part of it is I was watching. I was 17 years old. I was watching it with my parents in the basement at our house on a VHS, mm. and uh, and it was the scene where he's getting dragged behind the boat and his head keeps hitting the, the metal posts of the, the water ski posts. Going, <laughs> King! <laughs> King! King! And so I started laughing, but I think the reason it became uncontrollable laughter is I was laughing so hard that it, it sort of was ruining the movie. <laughs> and so now my and parents were funny. annoyed yes. that I was laughing. And, you know, to me, that made it really Funnier. absurd because it's like, well, we're watching a comedy movie. We're supposed to be laughing. I'm getting the maximum amount of enjoyment out of it, and now you're mad that I'm laughing. Hilarious. And they had to stop. They stopped the tape, and they went upstairs, and I just, I just died for another five, five or ten minutes. But uh, oh my yeah. god! But I love, I love I, those are those are the moments when you get those kinds of laughs in life. But I, I find it, I find them fewer and farther between. Actually, as I get older, yeah, uncontrollable fits of it's laughter. It's good to get a good one in yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Just this morning, do you know what the enneagram is? Enneagram. It's a personality uh, system. I, I think it's old, like from the 60s. Is that like 70s. a Scientology thing? Right? I'm a Scientologist. Yeah, okay. No, yeah. No, it's, not, it's not Scientology. Yeah. It's um, something Richard Rohr is big into. He's a Franciscan friar. Anyway, I'm a three, which is the... But that's not the engrams thing, right? The, uh, uh, thing. Is we, that a Scientologist we, we, we thing? we got to measure your engrams or something like that. Is that it? We have a machine. and I don't know. I don't know Thetans. much about it. Yep. They measure your thate. Okay. Oh, E-meter. E- maybe, yeah. E-meter. Okay. Enneagram is not affiliated with any group or yeah. religion. Yeah. Um, it's just a fun personality test, and you can take it for free. And I, I recommend it. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but mine is – it's boring. I'm a three. And our country is a three country. It's, it's, that's the achiever. Like my – I like tri- striving. It's important what people think about me, all this stuff. So anyway, I watched this video of Richard Rohr talking about what a three is. And – uh, it was very complimentary. Even when it was negative, it was complimentary. He kept being like, well, you know, maybe you might put a product over people, but still, you know, you're smart enough to know that you're doing that and in the end you'll make it all good. Or, or you're like, threes need to fail, but, you know, they'll use their failure and turn it into something great. And so mm-hmm. it was this very, like, self-serving video. Yeah. So it was like, Val, let's, 
Val's a nine, which is the peacekeeper. I was like, let's watch Richard Rohr's <laughs> talk uh-huh. on the nines. This was this morning <laughs> before we watched the Tom Green videos. <laughs> and it was the most disparaging, <laughs> negative. He was like, Nines are like manatees. They float around and they don't do anything all day. And they they can't make anything happen for themselves. And they were like, if the three was a country, it would be America. And they were like, and if a nine was a country, he said. Canada. No, no. He goes, it it would be any country before it was developed. And I just started laughing so so in that special kind of laugh where you're laughing and Val is there and I'm saying to her, like, I'm, I don't think that's you. I don't think that's yeah. you. But this is such a funny scene in a movie where I'm like, let's watch this lovely Hobbit-like Franciscan friar talk yeah. about your personality. He's actually he's condescending like, to everybody like, in the world. And he was laughing, too. He was like, you know, they're just kind of like elephants. They don't, you know, they're lovable, and they keep the peace, but, you know, you can't really trust them to do anything. Like, they can't brush their teeth without drooling over their feet. He didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. But it was such a... Bad way to start Val's day. Yeah, and boy, yeah, yeah. we had a laugh. I just wanted, I just wanted to share mine because I said to her while I was laughing, I said, "I don't need to laugh. I can stop myself." And then I said, "But these types of church laughs, these forbidden laughs, are so rare." Mm-hmm. And Val, in all of her radiant sunlightness, was just like. Laugh it up, baby. And then she she was laughing too. Because it's, like you're saying, especially as we get older, it's harder to find those like delicious yeah. forbidden laughs. Uh-huh. It was so good. Uh-huh. The nine is a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then my three was such a beautiful boy. He was like, John F. Kennedy was a three. He literally at one point goes, they're always good looking. <laughs> was one of them. I was like, Val, you're going to love this. He's going to tell you all about yourself. Anywho, um, Tommy, Tommy G. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. We have the guests say the catchphrase at the end. Okay. The catchphrase is keep it crispy. When you say that, uh, that'll just signal the end of the episode. All right. Thanks, Pete, for having me on. Thank you, Tommy. Keep it crispy. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> so crispy, I'm so crispy, my ice can't make you want to